Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks around the world, welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 46. Willie, baseball season has come and gone, but that means one thing and one thing only. A hot stove is heating up, and we have some deals to discuss to kick off the baseball part of the show. It's going to be shorter than usual because obviously we don't have World Series to talk about. We don't have the world champion Atlanta Braves to talk about. Not in detail. <laughs> and... There's just not as much content on the baseball side of it. We do have a good soccer portion for you all today, so stick around for that, or I'll drop the time codes uh, down in the description of wherever you're listening to this uh, this podcast, this episode of Hot Takes Only. Willie, first and foremost, how are you, my man? Oh, I'm 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 great, bro. I'm great, great to be back. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well, man. The uh, the Atlanta Braves still riding that high from the the world series win i'm gonna ride that high for probably the rest of my life if i'm honest you really um, should bro you really but should. no it's it's just a it's just a good feeling to see see that uh that actually happen in my lifetime because you know i i talk to you about this all the time there was a moment where i was convinced it was never going to happen for the city of atlanta if they blew that lead against the dodgers in the nlcs in back-to-back years, then I, I'd be convinced that like, it's never going to happen. After the Super Bowl a couple years ago, yeah. you know, seeing that happen like <laughs> this again, I was like, there's there's no chance. We're not going to talk about the Falcons today. The fact they got blown out at home yeah. against the Patriots and just looked completely lifeless. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Falcons because I don't want to cry openly. On the podcast. <laughs> I don't. The Falcons, they, they set the expectations so low for everyone. But they even still managed to disappoint their fans. Like that's that's where we are now as a franchise. And it like I was I found myself cackling earlier because of how bad the Falcons are. Not just laughing, not just chuckling. Literally, I was laughing my ass off because of the fact that Felipe Franks, the third string quarterback, came into the game through one pass and it was an interception. One yeah. pass. Interception. And yeah. it is it was bad. It's a- I mean, ride that high, Owen. The Falcons are on a whole nother trajectory as a franchise. But, uh, but I will say, I mean, as a fan and as a, as a, or a player. But as a fan, in our case, you know, it's like when you're rooting for it, it seems like, what's the point, man? If you don't want to celebrate, if you don't want to soak in every bit of the wins, what's the point? Exactly. Ultimately, that's what you hope for. You 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 watch this entertainment product. And you're just hoping that the teams you root for one day will win it. Yeah. And when it does, you better celebrate it because it, it may not happen very much. It may and not so happen like again. Say, in your if lifetime. you're not overly jubilant for a long time, what's the point? What's yep. the what's the point of even of watching this stuff? Yep. Yep. And not too doing right. something. Too too right, Willie. Too right indeed. Yeah. Uh, Again, I want to keep the baseball part of today's episode rather short because we don't have a whole lot to talk about outside of free agency. And the awards, the yep. uh, MVP awards were announced today. The Cy Young awards were announced earlier in the week. So we'll address those a little later. But first, uh, Willie, the offseason, the hot stove is kicking off. We yes, have three particularly big deals I want to mention. Not because they're big names, but because of of what they represent mm-hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things. And the fact that baseball could be headed for a lockout uh, if, yeah. the, if the Players Association and the, and the owners can't come to an agreement. Um Eduardo Rodriguez, formerly of the Boston Red Sox, five years, seventy-seven yeah. million dollar deal with the Detroit Tigers of all teams. Yeah, um, that one I think is interesting in the sense that Eduardo Rodriguez never struck me as a kind of guy who's going to command that kind of AAV. No, uh, but here we are. Um, you know, he's he's going to be a wealthy man for quite a bit, uh, just upwards of fifteen million dollars per year for five years. 
in in the the prime of his career. Uh, we'll see what that does for him as as a pitcher going forward. Of course, with Boston, he was very much you you kind of saw what he was all about. He was very much a a younger version of David Price in the sense yeah. that he pitches off of his fastball almost exclusively from the left side uh, with good secondary stuff, but the command is what separated Price from Rodriguez and, and Erod just never had that kind of command. Yeah. The- so it'd be interesting to see if they can correct, if he can correct it in uh, Detroit, it, what kind of rotation they'll have. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, well. First off, when I want, I wanted, to, I wanted to get into that before I, I give my thoughts. So, what, what do you think makes Rodriguez, uh, up when he's right? You know, a top, a top pitcher. Is when it you, that what you just said? You know, is it that, that like you said, that elite fastball and kind of the ability, like good stuff, you know, to, you know, feeding around the zone. Is that is that what you think? When he's at his best, that that's what he brings to the table. I think so, and and to me, the stuff is not the issue. He has elite stuff. Yeah. When when it's on, and and you notice, yeah, if you watch him pitch, ninety five out of his hand does not look like ninety five. It it looks so much it easier than out. that. It really jumps out. It's it's mm-hmm. it's an exploding fastball for sure. And when it, we have that from the left side, particularly, and we're gonna talk about Robbie Ray as well. Robbie Ray kind of fits that that mold oh, yeah. as well. Uh, when you have that and you have good secondary stuff, the only thing that can go missing is command. And you look at Robbie Ray, he turned into one of the best. He turned into the best pitcher for the American League this season because of his command. The stuff was there. The stuff has always been there, but it's the command. And and yeah, that to me is is the the first thing that goes missing with with Rodriguez. Sometimes when he's not healthy, it's the velocity. But I, I don't think that that and the secondary stuff is going to go anywhere. So. You know, it's it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they move forward with this. How how Detroit and AJ Hinch handle him as a pitcher. I mean, he's still very young. He's I think twenty eight. So, lot of lot of baseball you would think left in his career. But these are his prime years for sure. Yeah, I think that you know he. It will be interesting. Detroit actually doesn't have a bad pitching staff, believe it or not, no. at all. Um, not bad. It's it's the other side that really. Um, you know, does poorly. Um, as a Cleveland fan, I'm. I don't like this deal. I'm. I'm hoping that, bro. Like Cleveland, for the longest time, they won. There was a stretch where they won 19 straight games against Detroit. So, if you want to feast, if you want to win the AL Central, the secret is, you know, split your games against Minnesota or Chicago or whoever it was that was good. But when when you play Detroit and Kansas City, you better beat up on them. <laughs> so yeah. I just want to say that real quick. Cleveland, their record against Detroit in the last like eight years is insane. Okay, that being said, back to Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I think it's a bit of an overpay. Um, you know, he's a good pitcher. Obviously, you know, he didn't really have his best year this year mm-hmm. um, or this past year now. Um, but he was, and you know. He had a couple of really good seasons. I mean, he, you know, really emerged as a, a top pitcher um, a couple years ago. Um, after, you know, that 2018 year, it's things seemingly got better for him. So I understand from a Detroit perspective, you know, starting pitchers, you want something. Um, but is Eduardo Rodriguez at his very best? You know, I don't think he's a he's a good, you know, maybe a 
on a good staff, maybe in a, a number two or three. I don't think he's ever mm-hmm. going to be a top ace, you know. Yeah. But but I think he's he's a solid pitcher, and it'll no doubt help them. Yeah, I, I think with Detroit, they know they have their ace of the future in Casey Mize. I think they're yeah. kind of they're kind of betting on him turning into what they think he is going to be, which what he what they think he's going to be is one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah. And he uh, has the stuff for it and he's shown flashes of it, but he's still very young as well. So for them to add that kind of depth, I think is is important. And and maybe it is an overpay, but Detroit has been one of those teams who wants to spend big. I mean they've they've let it known that they want to spend big uh this offseason. I mean, Carlos Correa has, we'll talk about it a little later. His name's been thrown around in that conversation to going to Detroit for basically the right. entire, you know, second half of the season. Yeah. No, absolutely. Owen. Um, I do just want to say real quick that um, Eduardo Rodriguez did, I don't want to make it sound like not give him credit. He did finish uh, in, got some Cy Young votes uh, a few, a couple years ago. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's not like he's by any means a, uh, not a great pitcher. Mm-mm. He's a fantastic pitcher, uh, but you know he's not a guy that when you're in the playoffs, I'm putting him out there for game one. Exactly. You know? You're you're not kind of throwing all the chips in the uh, in on him as your as the guy to get you over the hump, but he does have really good. There's there's a really good foundation there for a a top quality, not quite ace, but a top quality pitcher. Yeah. So that's that's the bit I, I don't think can be really um, that we can't emphasize enough. We're not saying he's bad, of course. We're, it, it's the foundation is there. Uh, the ERA can be a little high, and he can get a little sporadic with his control and start walking a couple guys. And and he has this he has this kind of this issue that I, I would say AJ Minter has as well, where the stuff is good. The stuff is there. That's not the issue. The issue is the command and the ability yeah. to throw his secondary stuff. Sure. Intentionally for balls, but intentionally for strikes as well. It's I think that is the difference between him and, you know, a David Price in his prime. Sure. It's it's that elite command of the fastball coupled with if he needs to spike a curveball, he can spike a curveball. If he needs to bury a changeup, he can bury a changeup. But he can, sure. also, he can also throw for strikes. And that, at the end of the day, separates your mid-tier guys like Rodriguez and your top-tier guys like you know, Price in his yeah, prime. The only the- reason I compare it is because of sure. the... It's the profile of his stuff. Yeah, for the most part, it's those guys that have such good stuff that they can pound the strike zone, you know? And as pitchers get older and then maybe they lose a little velocity, they they don't have that ability and they have to start changing eye levels and, and nibbling at the corners. But but like you said, the fact that he has that good stuff is is key, and that's what, what separates me. right. Sometimes he can walk a few too many guys, uh, but... I will just say this, and this I think is actually interesting. Uh, what happened to all of the 2018 Red Sox? That the starters, like David Price, is basically semi-washed. Rick Porcello <laughs> um, was there. Chris Sale. I mean, God knows what you're ever going to get from him again. So, I mean, Avaldi, sure, but yeah, most of that that staff is uh, gone. So I, I just. It's a whole new era in Boston. I found this interesting. They they managed to completely turn over the roster almost, which yeah. is really incredible. You know, I don't want to say completely because there's some on the in you know there's some position players that are still there. You know, Jay Martinez and uh, Bogarts and Devers, but they really did turn over a lot of the team. Yeah, 
the the offensive pieces, the core offensive pieces, obviously without you know Sands, Mookie, Betts, yeah, uh, are are there. I think Andrew Benintendi is the only major piece of that offense that's not there. But like yep. you said, Martinez, Bogarts, yeah. Vasquez, Devers, they're oh, all there. I, wanna, I actually want to touch on that real quick. I know we're we're, we're sidetracking here, but I actually want to. I, I want to talk about Andrew Benatendi. That is such a sad story. I'm not sure what happened to Andrew Benatendi. And I read some articles that the uh, Dave Dombrowski at the time was so high on Andrew Benatendi. And he would always communicate with Alex Cora, like, what's going on with Andrew Benatendi? You know, why is he not hitting any better? Why is he a little consistent? You know, how's he, how's he feeling? And... Um, Man, I, I got to tell you, I, it's a funny story. So I was with my friend, and um, we were in, actually, Cooperstown, ironically. And we went to the Hall of Fame. This was a few years ago, um, during college. And um, my friend bought a card, and it was an Andrew Benatendi rookie card. And I said, bro, you that, that card might be worth something someday. And... Now I don't know. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> so I'm not. It, sure. it, it's funny you mention that because yeah. he he really had a down 2019 and 20. Uh, yeah. Both of those two years were you know subpar based on what he had produced from 2016 to 2018. Yeah. Uh, but I just looked this up because I I didn't think he was he was all that bad this year and the stats are are they're they actually support that so. His slash line in his first year with the Royals was 276 nope. average, 324 on base with a 442 slugging percentage, which is not terrible. No. With 17 home runs and, th- and 73 RBIs. So those are not terrible numbers. But then you factor, you factor in that he played 1,116 innings at left field, most in the majors, and won his first gold glove. So it's all there. And we have to keep in mind, He's our age. He's 27 years old, Willie. There, there is a lot of baseball, you would think, you know, barring injuries and the unforeseen. There's a lot of baseball left in his career. So most players, you know, even if they, they come up and have the impact that he had right in the beginning of his career, they can taper off for a few years. But they come back, their late 20s, early 30s, they can be one of the best players in baseball. I think Benintendi has, he has that potential. Still, it's there. You don't just forget how to play baseball. But... I think that's something we need to keep in mind because as easily as you can lose it, you can also gain it back because it's, it's a confidence thing a lot of times. And it's just a a mental thing of playing a new ballpark, being with new teammates. It's, there's a lot of things that go into it and a lot of it's out of our control. Yep. So personally, I don't think it's, it's the end of I don't think he's washed. I think this is, I mean, he's really just getting started again. He's our age. Most guys, they won't break into the big leagues until they're 25, 26, you know, and he's 27 and he came up at 20. What was he? 22, 23. So, yeah, yeah he was. so, you know, it, I think it's, it's still entirely too early to write the book on, on Ben and but you're right. The, the downward decline from 2019, 2020, and you know, in the early parts, some parts of this year, it was pretty, Pretty staggering for someone who was as, uh, in 2018 at least, as established of a star as he was. Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting, Owen. I just, it's, you know, he, he definitely has time. You know, 27 is not, not too old, but it's just, 
that year, there was actually so many good rookies. And Ben Attendee was might have been my favorite. That was the same year as uh, like Cody Bellinger, Yuli Gurriel, you know, Aaron Judge, uh, Luis Castillo was in that one, Matt Olson, and uh, all those guys have become, uh, you know, top players at their position. And uh, you know, he he can definitely get back there. Uh, but man, what we saw in 2017 when he broke onto the scene in 2018 in the Red, with the Red Sox. Um, hopefully he, he can get back there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you, I mean, asked, you... you asked Red Sox fans four years ago, would they not have Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi on their team? <laughs> like, oh, like, easily, easily. And, or Jackie Bradley Jr.? Like, I, I think I think JBJ is a, is a difficult one because pretty much everyone has, has understood that he – is a center fielder. He's a starting center fielder, or at least that caliber because of his defense, because he is the best yeah, defensive center. In my personal opinion, for me personally, he is the best defensive center fielder in, in the American league, at least yeah. when he was in the American league. Um, he, I mean, he's in that conversation surely for all of baseball, him, Kevin Kiermaier's in that conversation, yeah. Byron Buxton, when he's healthy. Um, I mean, you could, you could go up and down the list. There's a lot of players who could, who could have that, that claim. Uh, but he's, He's there for his defense, not necessarily Absolutely. his offense. Anything he gives you at the plate is really a plus. And it's not that that gets factored into his decision or into team's decision making. It's more so just that it's tempering expectations when it comes to that kind of thing. Now, are other players comparable defensively, but better offensively? Sure. I mean, that might be the case. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who has arguably the big, the best arm of all outfielders. I yeah. mean, to. Have you ever seen anyone in your life throw a ball over the center field wall in Boston from home plate? Because he's done it multiple times. That's incredible. I, the only guy that I would say, um, that's literally incredible. I think the only other guy that could do that is Rick Ankeel. Yeah, exactly. And and look what Rick Ankeel had in his career. I mean, he he was outfielder, yeah. turned into pitcher, and crazy stuff. But uh, I digress. Speaking of 27-year-olds, Willie, the next guy on this list is also 27. And it's Jose Barrios now officially announced today and confirmed. Jose Barrios of the Toronto Blue Jays, seven years, $131 million. Uh, this is a really good deal, Willie. It's a really, really good deal. He is entering the prime of his career in all but one season. He has had an ERA around three and a half, sometimes slightly yeah. higher than three and a half. His career ERA, career, is 404, but that also takes into consideration an ERA of eight. In 2016, when he first came up, an ERA of four in 2020, which is, you know, that's kind of an anomaly. And then 389 his rookie year, 384 his second season. So he lives right around the 3.5 ERA mark. Yeah. With the exception of those outliers. Mm -hmm. And he's trending in the right direction. Two-time All-Star, finished ninth in Cy Young Award voting this year, mm -hmm. 192 innings, 32 games, 204 strikeouts, yeah. an ERA plus of 122. It, it He's trending in the right direction. And for someone who has the raw stuff that he does, he has a fastball that goes both ways. It goes kind of stays straight, and then one that tails a little bit on right-handed hitters. And then that's that nasty slurve. It looks like a Frisbee. Yeah. He The, the pieces are all there. And now that he knows he's going to be, you know, of course, barring the unforeseen, he knows he's going to be in Toronto long-term with a good young core, with an offense that is going to score runs yeah. in bunches. 
with a staff that already has a bona fide ace in Hyunjin Ryu. So he doesn't have to he doesn't have the burden of of I have to go out every five days and I have to put up six, seven innings, one run at the most. He doesn't have that pressure on him. And that that lets you play so much more freely. And we talk about the 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 confidence aspect of the game a lot. Yeah. I think this is only a strong upside move for Toronto. Under 20 million uh, AAV for the next seven years while he's in the prime of his career. It's a fantastic piece of business by the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, Barrios is another guy. I'm glad he's out of the uh, AL Central. <laughs> just let's have an exodus. <laughs> but um, first of all, I just want to say when I found it really funny, you said they have a bona fide ace, you know, Hunjin Ryu. You're forgetting the guy who won the Cy Young is on the staff, was on the staff. Was exact, but I say that I say that in the past tense because his price tag just skyrocketed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, Jose Brios. Um, the knock on Brios was always his health. You know, he 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 needs to be more available. But um, I think that uh, for a little bit. But um, I think that he. Uh, I agree, it's a great deal. Um, and like you said, he's got he's got the the power. Uh, and the stuff and man yeah he's entering the prime of his career along with these young guys and like you said now you add him if they can resign Robbie Ray and they have Steven Matz too already a really good pitching staff with a good bullpen uh man I mean this team they were just a little bit short and uh man I mean they're I mean this might really tip them over the line you know Jose Brios like you said he's the right kind of guy he has that profile. I would rather invest in him than some of these other starters that we're going to talk about soon, yeah. personally. So, mm-hmm. man, he, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. When, when, they got that, when they made that trade from Minnesota, I thought this is probably going to go under the radar, but yeah. it's one of the better better moves at the deadline. Obviously, all the headlines went to Scherzer and, and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers, but, boy, that, that move getting... Barrios, who is you, you would have thought Minnesota would want to keep Barrios with everything they could, but mm. I mean, realistically, does Minnesota have the pieces right now to compete? Probably not. They they're they're they did, they did two years they ago. did two Man, years they ago. They were really but good two years. What ago. a difference! What a difference two years can make. And and like we're saying, if you remove their best pitcher from that equation, then you have to go. You have to figure something out big time. And, you know, maybe maybe we'll be wrong about this. Maybe the Twins will be better than the Blue Jays this coming season in 2022. <laughs> that would be but, a shock. Yeah. Uh, on the subject quickly of Robbie Ray, while you mentioned it, Willie, oh. uh, I'm looking up the stat because, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out where, where he should go because I thought about it earlier and I was like, I don't know where Robbie Ray is going to end up. Uh, this stat first. He is the ninth pitcher to win the Cy Young Award in his walk year, so the year going into free agency. Of the previous eight, half of them re-signed, half of them did not. So which way he goes is going to be a question mark. Let me read off some of these names for you. Uh, Catfish Hunter in 74, different team after that Catfish season. Catfish Hunter, wow. Rick, Rick Sutcliffe in 84, yeah. re-signed. Mark Davis in 89, changed teams. Bob Welch in 1990, re-signed. Greg Maddox, 92, changed teams. Smoltz in 96, re-signed. Roger Clemens, 2004, re-signed, and 2020 Trevor Bauer ended up changing teams. So it's honestly a coin flip, 
to see if he's gonna if he's gonna stay or if he's gonna go. And this article that I'm reading, it's it's a CBS article. It's arguing that the best fit for him is to stay where he is in Toronto mm. with the Blue Jays. The only question would be, now that you've signed Barrios to seven years, 131 million, are you going to be able to pay Robbie Ray as well? What he what his market is because he's not going to take anything under his market value. That's for sure. I mean, when you come off an award-winning season like he had, one where he struck out 256 guys in yeah, I'll, his, his K I per nine think, rate is uh, stupid. Robbie Ray is, the strikeouts sometimes are incredible. Like, the strikeout rate is, like, insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was ridiculous. Every time you look at a stat line from Robbie Ray, it's like, oh, 12 strikeouts in five innings. <laughs> Yeah. Like, of the 15 outs that you get, 12 of them were strikeouts. It, it the, That is insanity. Um, but it's saying that, so this best fit is the Blue Jays. The mm. other best fit would be the Angels. And that to me is, Ooh. I would not rule it out because of a one Shohei Otani. We'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. And Noah Syndergaard, who we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a second as well. Uh, it's It's banking on just three guys who have the elite of the elite stuff, the raw ability to manipulate the baseball and do what you want with it is probably of those three second to very few second to none. Almost. I mean, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of three guys in the same rotation who have stuff like that, who have true swing and miss stuff. You're talking about in the blue Jays, the three guys in the, if no, if, if say say Robbie Ray, say you'd put Robbie Ray on the Angels, it'd be Otani, Syndergaard, oh. and Robbie Ray. Oh, okay, okay. Well, but, yeah, I but, mean, he, but even so, he, even on his current team, Barrios, Ryu, mm-hmm. Manoa. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I'll say this. I'll say who this knows? Uh, for sure. Um, yeah, Robbie Ray. When you think about all the strikeouts, led the league in strikeouts again. He just always with the strikeouts it's like incredible that fastball curveball is just a pretty good combination um i i mean <laughs> so yeah robbie ray was always one of my favorite pitchers i think robbie ray is a guy i just want to say this you know robbie ray is one of those guys that it happens in all sports but i think robbie ray is one of those guys that is just so good for a number of years. Uh, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure he made the All-Star team at least a few times. Um, when when him and Greenkey were just going crazy for Arizona. But he's one of those guys that was good, but not quite a household name enough where he just went under the radar for so many years. Mm-hmm. But, he, man, he was always so good. And um, so, yeah, I've always been, I, I was telling you before, I, I've always been a Robbie Ray fan. So it's really exciting. Um, gosh, I hope he doesn't go to the Angels and, you know, I don't know. But um, in terms of Noah Syndergaard, uh, that move I don't understand for the life of me. I think that's a massive overpay for a guy that if we sat here in 2015 when the Mets won the World Series, we'd say, yeah, this guy is going to be win a Cy Young Award one day. And this guy's going to be maybe a perennial all-star. And he was, you know, pitched four or five very good years. But uh, this is going to sound really harsh. Um, but I feel like he's closer to Matt Harvey than he is to what he what he used to be. And so 
Uh, I don't know. I hope those words are incorrect, but from an Angels perspective, to me, this just feels like another move that just doesn't make sense. So, well, the thing is, his recent track record supports that 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 claim. Supports that he is closer to Matt Harvey. Uh, Harvey's issue, obviously, outside of the injuries and and after the 2014 yeah. and 15 seasons, just was not the same kind of pitcher. No, and we were talking about this before. Cindergard over the last two seasons has thrown what one inning, two, maybe. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, yes, one was a one was a pandemic shortened season, and the right. other was you know we we just finished it. But if you take that in consideration, okay, call it a season and a half. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll overestimate a little bit. Call it a season and a half. To have that little bit of production, and on top of the various injuries he's had over the last yeah three four five seasons, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't completely disagree with you because yeah you have no matter how good you are you have to actually pitch yeah to show that you're good and he has not pitched now the big narrative with this one is obviously he's signing for what 21 million dollars yep the qualifying offer from major league baseball this year was 18.4 million so the mets didn't have it in them to find 2.6 million dollars <laughs> to to re-sign Syndergaard. Right. So that's what tells you everything you need to know about the Angels and their willingness to spend. Yep. They have shown that with in the past with Albert Pujols, with Anthony Rendon, obviously with Mike Trout, but Mike Trout is worth every penny because he's Mike yeah. Trout. Uh, and the indications are that they're going to, I mean, Justin Upton as well as another name who's making a lot of money. The indications are that they're probably going to keep spending that kind of money. But on a one-year deal... Syndergaard knows that if he goes out and he performs for this one season, he could get himself a bigger payday next year. But $21 million is also a lot of money for one season for a pitcher that you just have no idea what you're going to get. You have, nobody knows what we're going to see at us North Syndergaard in 2022. If we're going to see a lot of him, I mean, you can only imagine that someone who has gone through that much training just to throw a baseball as hard as possible. Yeah. Has the, the body, and the durability to be able to withstand that because it just sounds like he's over overdoing it. Yeah, it's it's it, he throws violently. Um, it's really sad on a human level. I just want to say. Mm. I mean, it's so it's not their fault, and it's just so sad. Uh, but unfortunately, as someone evaluating, you have to factor these things in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, Tommy John surgery and elbow problems. Um, you, you know, that's very serious for a pitcher that has great stuff and can mix in a lot of different pitches. Um, it is a very risky move. Like you said, it's a one year deal. So that's good. Um, that one from the Mets surprised me a little bit, truthfully. Um, they were a huge disappointment this past year, and um, I thought maybe they would have taken a flyer on him, given his upside is really high. Uh, but yeah, and I I really hope that he returns to what we saw 2017, 2018, 2015 through kind of 2018, because mm-hmm. he was really good, yeah, and he was yeah. one of the more fun box office pitchers, I think. You know? No question. If you've asked, no question. If you asked the fan kind of, 
who would you want to see pitch? I think Noah Syndergaard would be uh, on there, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm looking for, I'm really looking forward to seeing, seeing what he's got, you know? Like, yep. And, and you mentioned, you mentioned Noah Syndergaard. He was the last name we wanted to discuss uh, of that list of three big pitchers, three big names that had already signed yeah. new deals. Uh, obviously Robbie Ray is the, is the biggest fish now in the free agent market for pitchers. So we'll see where he lands. Um, the rest of this article, I just want to mention briefly before we move on to other names to watch that aren't pitchers. Uh, other names to watch as uh, in the, the Robbie Ray sweepstakes, if you will. Uh, so Blue Jays, Angels, two of the bigger ones. The Red Sox are listed in there. I don't think the Red Sox are going to spend that kind of money, though, since they traded Mookie Betts because they couldn't spend that kind of money or they didn't want to spend that kind of money. FSG being FSG, that's no surprise, really, especially from a Liverpool fan. Um, Giants and Mariners, two teams that want to spend and that need a little more starting pitching. We know Logan Webb is turning to a true ace in San Francisco. Absolutely. He's he's someone who could, that, that one-two punch could be really, really just beyond effective for San Francisco and, and prevent them from being yeah. a one-season wonder yeah. Yeah. and keep them competitive with the Dodgers who are going to lose one of Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Uh, I don't see a, a, a scenario where they sign both of those guys. It's going to be one or the other, probably. Um, to uh, The Mariners, who that's what they need to make that rotation actually a rotation <laughs> because there's no big names on top of that. I mean, Marco Gonzalez has been the de facto ace, but he's not really, you know, that's kind of like having Eduardo Rodriguez as an ace. He's, he's that kind of guy. He's mm -hmm. very much a pitch to contact lefty control guy. But I, with with Marco Gonzalez, it's just it's it, there's it's, there's something that's missing there. But if you put Robbie Ray there, maybe you figure out what that thing is. Maybe that thing is just a less of a burden, if you will, sure. to be Seattle's main guy. Mm. So Seattle is someone who's in that conversation. They have been someone who said they want to spend money as well in the offseason. Yeah. So they're the one to keep an eye on as well. Uh, obviously you have to factor in the Dodgers with Robbie Ray, of course, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they've got money, they've got the will to spend. They don't want to finish behind the giants again. It, you know, it's the, the will is there, uh, the Mets as well. Yeah. Don't, don't rule out the Mets. Um, because you look at, and, and this article lays it out really nicely. It's the ERA for, uh, or it's the, you know, the story of some of the rotation. It doesn't mention Marcus Stroman who had a strong year, but it probably isn't going to go back to New York. Uh, DeGrom didn't pitch after July 7th. Mm -hmm. Taiwan Walker had a, an ERA of 713 in the second half. Carlos yeah. Carrasco had an ERA of 604. He had a lot of injuries too. Uh, Tyler McGill had a 613 ERA in his last 11 starts. And David Peterson pitched zero games after July 30, uh, June 30th, sorry, because of injuries. So maybe, maybe he fills that role of a, you know, the one, two punch with DeGrom as two aces at the top of the rotation and Taiwan Walker as your number three. Yeah. I mean, that right there is a pretty solid postseason rotation. Yeah. Uh, and, and you have to think the Mets are, are looking in that direction. They're not, they're not focusing on making a wild card team. I mean, when the, when your biggest rival wins in championship, it, 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 it digs at you all off season. Yeah. So. No, that would be interesting. There's a lot of interesting names. Um, there uh and yeah you're right if you went to the mets i mean that would be um i mean that would be a really interesting one uh, i mean th there's a lot of interesting names 
Toronto's my money, but I got to tell you, I mean, to me, the um, if, you're, if we're talking about Robbie Ray, I think that the Yankees scream to me. I it mean, has to be time for the Yankees. I mean, I know he's on the wrong side of 30, but uh, him and Garrett Cole, you know, like, there you go. Seven, yeah. Um, you know, so. I mean. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Willie. I mean, we we've talked that's narrative a lot. We talk about it all the time. We talk about the Yankees just needing one more guy yeah. to help Garrett Cole to get them over the hump because the bullpen's there. The offense is going to score. It's the starting rotation, and outside of Garrett Cole, who who really is it? I mean, in in our assessment of the the Yankees uh, last offseason before the 2021 season, we were saying one of the guys that they signed. One of the free agent journeymen, one of the, yeah. not journeymen, but one of the guys that they signed, Corey Kluber, Jamison Tyon, Davey Garcia, one of those guys is going to yeah. is going to turn into a, a solid former consistently, and that just did not happen. And yeah. yet the Yankees still win the wild card. They, they made the wild card game. So yep. they are closer than I think a lot of Yankees fans would lead you to believe. And if they get Robbie Ray, they go from wild card contender to probably... I mean, I don't want to say division contender because Tampa Bay is still still around, but they're they're in that conversation. Yeah, no, I mean they would be right there. Yeah, like you said, Owen. I mean, James Jordan Montgomery, you know, Jameson Tyone. Like they got to get some someone else. They're they're just a couple of pieces away, to be honest. Yeah, no, they so. they are not as far away as people think, and it's it's I'm, not Aaron Boone. It's not Aaron Boone. No, I think he's. Gosh, if he were to. If he were not to be back, I think that'd be a mistake. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and I, I do just want to say um, real quick with regards to Robbie Ray, um, there were also a couple of really interesting names I thought on the list that you mentioned. And um, I'm really interested to see Seattle and, and San Francisco. Um, are though, like you said, are they one season wonders or not? Marco Gonzalez is great. My gosh, yeah. that's great. Um, and so is Logan Webb. Dang, he's really good. I don't know. I'm not sure. To me, it feels like, and this is going to sound crazy, that maybe the Giants are more like a one-hit wonder than Seattle. But I'm not sure. Well, Mariners fans will tell you that they were definitely a one-hit wonder this year. I mean, how many? How often does it happen that you win 90 games and miss the playoffs and the World Series champions won 88 games. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, but it, it's, it, it, it happened this year and Mariners fans are, you know, and, and other teams too, like the Dodgers as well. They won 18 more games than the Braves did. And yeah. yet here are the Braves for uh was it 60, whatever it was, 18 more, I think it was 18 more games. And, and yet here, here the Braves are with the commissioner's trophy celebrating all off season. I mean, until, you know, Inevitably, Liberty Media doesn't want to fork over the money to sign <laughs> Freddie Freeman and pay him what he's owed. But yeah, I, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, no, you're 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 right, Willie. There's there's a lot of different names that could end up with uh, an American League Cy Young winner on their yeah. roster, with the 2021 American League Cy Young winner on their roster. But uh, that's for the future. We talked about Freddie Freeman briefly. I, I just mentioned Freddie Freeman, Willie. Uh, the reports are that the holdup in the agreement for Freeman is the sixth year. 
Braves don't want to have a what will be a 38-year-old first baseman uh, play, making $30 million a year. That's not what Liberty Media is about. They're about being mm. prudent financially, uh, regardless of, of how good the Braves are. Regardless of the Braves just winning a World Series. Mm-hmm. So if that ends up being the, 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 the one thing that prevents Freddie Freeman from ending up a Braves lifer, then they're going to have a lot of questions from fans. I'm just, it's, it's very rare that you have a player who fresh off of an MVP season puts up another MVP caliber season, leads your team throughout the postseason to the world series, helps you win a world series. And you cannot tie him down to a contract because you can't agree on a market value for him or pay him what his market value is because you mm-hmm. failed to capitalize on the fact that if Freddie Freeman had signed an extension with the Atlanta Braves in March of 2021, his market value would be significantly lower and mm-hmm. we would not be having this discussion. Instead, because Liberty Media are who they are, Freddie Freeman, I would say, has probably a 60-40 chance of of being a Brave next year. It's not 80-20 like Chipper said. It, I'd say it's 60-40 because That's- that... Last piece, that last $30 million in that last year is going to prevent them. It it could be the holdup. And, and that's not, that's not okay. Braves fans are going to be, we're going to be furious. I, I, oh, and I just, I cannot see Freddie Freeman leaving. I mean, on his side, even the player's side, I can't see him not getting this sixth year. And being like, well, I don't want to come back to Atlanta. I mean, it would just have to be a massive over. I mean, uh, someone massively overpays for him. But yeah, it's getting interesting. I thought it. Was, I I still think it's a shoe in that he comes back. But but yeah, I mean, um, man, Owen, I I I what a disaster it would be if he leaves. Well, and and this is this is the thing too. I mean, it was like I just mentioned. If you sign Freddie Freeman with one year left on his contract to an extension for, say, five years, okay, you get six more years of this player. Six more years starting before the season puts him at his age. 38th year or whatever. It takes him through the age of 37. So he's once again a free agent when he's 37. He may be ready to hang it up by then. But it's that unknown. It's because they waited in the offseason after 2020 after his MVP season to sign him to a new contract. If the Braves didn't make the playoffs this year, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. But the Braves went and won the World Series. You know what that does for Freddie Freeman's value? It skyrockets. And that means only one thing. It means that because they were too slow, because they were trying to be too prudent financially, they're going to have to pay even more or run the risk of alienating a franchise that just saw their first championship in 26 years. And this would be the most Atlanta thing to do to completely screw it, to take an opportunity to build a championship caliber team for the next five to six years guaranteed because they don't want to play. They don't want to pay a player his market value. 
because they want to nickel and dime someone because they want to lowball him. I mean, and, and let's be clear too: the offer, the offer that Freddie Freeman turned down reportedly was five years, hundred thirty-five million dollars, putting him through the age of thirty-seven. That's twenty-seven million dollars a year for the next five years. That's <laughs> that's a pretty good deal if you're Freddie Freeman, but it's not market value. You can get more because he's been durable throughout his career. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. He's been a gold glove winning first baseman. He's been a silver slugger. I'm pretty sure. Uh, he's been an MVP and now he's a world champion. Yeah. So <laughs> what? I mean, he's, and he's 32 and first baseman typically lasts a little longer because they don't play as strenuous of a position on the body. So what the holdup is, if it's one year on that contract, then then ownership has to budge. It Freddie has all the cards here. There's there's no two ways about it. Sure. I mean, I will say this. Um it really is looking it's a a uh, very poor <laughs> the fact that they didn't uh, give him an extension earlier is looking extremely poor. To all the fans. I don't think anyone really understands why they didn't get the deal done earlier. Um, And I don't think there's any reason with Freddie Freeman, who's such a professional hitter, and, you know, good fielder at his base as well, but such a professional hitter to believe that this is going to turn into a really bad contract. Um, Freddie Freeman should always be able to hit. Um, I don't see a guy who is going to struggle at the plate anytime soon or be not play disciplined. Um, But I will say that one thing to consider that I do think is important, maybe even to defend the ownership a little bit, is that, you know, we saw the reason that the Braves won the World Series was because of all the different parts they had, you know, and, and... and they can't keep everyone. I mean, they, they have, uh, you know, like, they have so many different guys. And last year they had, you know, so much flexibility, right? And and, and it was interesting, right? Because when you read about the subject, it's very interesting because I'm very curious what's going to happen to Freeman. And I was reading an athletic article, you know, and there was, they're like, look, you can't keep everyone. They've got all these guys that are not only free agents, but guys that are going to come, are going to be free agents soon or want extension soon. And what makes the, these teams now and in, in, in the postseason so special, a lot of times is depth. And so, you know, the, that extra money that they do get Freeman could be used on one or two more guys, you know, so... That's the only con I would say, um, but I agree. Uh, ultimately, there's no two ways about it. They they made a bad blunder, and they're gonna have to pay up, or he might walk. Exactly, and and Willie, I, I, I wanna I wanna touch on this because there's more players I want to talk about, and you know we run the risk of yeah. running long a little bit. All right, I I, I want to mention this one thing about Freddie Freeman. Okay, in 2000, 2010, when he came up towards the end of the year. One player was in the the, the the dusk of his career, about to hang it up, getting towards the end of it, and in 2012, played his last game for the Atlanta Braves. Hmm. And I think you know who I'm talking about. 
<laughs> his real name is Larry, uh, and he is an Atlanta Braves legend. He has yep. one World Series. Freddie Freeman has one World Series. Freddie Freeman is also an MVP. Freddie Freeman is also a gold glover. Freddie Freeman is as Braves as Chipper Jones. He is as synonymous with that franchise as Chipper Jones. Sure. Could you imagine if the holdup on a new deal for Chipper Jones would have been oh, no. one extra year? I, I do just want to say real quick, you you tell me you know more than I do. I don't think Freddie Freeman is at Chipper Jones' level. I think Chipper Jones still did more for the franchise than, than Freddie Freeman. Same number of championships. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're the same caliber player because Chipper Jones is obviously a Hall of Famer. Freddie Freeman is probably going to be a Hall he of Famer. He will be a Hall of Famer, but he may not be first ballot like Chipper. So, is he that exact same level? No. But does he mean exact? Does he mean as much to Braves country as Freddie? Does Freddie mean as much to Braves country as Chipper did? I would argue it's very, very close. It's a lot closer than a lot of people think. If you walk around Truist Park on any given any given game day, you're gonna see probably 75% Freddie Freeman, maybe 15% Ronald Acuna. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll be we'll be generous. We'll call it 60% Freddie Freeman, 30% Ronald Acuna, and the the other 10% is just other. Yeah. So between Acuna, Freeman, Swanson, Albies, it's yeah. it's Freeman at the top of that list. Yeah. Okay. And Makes sense. Yeah. They they do run the risk of of doing that to I I mean I I I'd like to say it's impossible, Willie. I would like to say it's impossible, but it's that there exists that distinct reality that Freddie Freeman could very well end up a member of a team not named the Atlanta Braves. When it's all said and done, starting the 2022 season, when pitchers and catchers report for spring training, Freddie Freeman may well be wearing another uniform. Yeah. Because Liberty Media doesn't want to extend him one extra yeah. year. Yeah, it's it's sad. I mean, it's very sad. And and on top of this, this to me was a bit of a slap in the face from the Braves. I, w- I wasn't planning on mentioning this, but now that we're on the subject, the Braves announced yesterday, the day before. I think it was the day before, they had signed. Manny Pena, a 34-year-old catcher, to a two-year, $8 million deal. I had not realized, Willie, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I had not realized that catching depth was the issue for the Atlanta Braves. To me, it is not like there was one slightly more important player to sign before signing any anyone else because Rosario is not going to get signed. Soler's not going to get signed. Peterson's not going to get signed. Duvall's not going to get signed. No one is going to get re-signed. None of those players of the four newcomers are going to get a new contract or a new offer from the Braves until Freddie Freeman either re-signs or signs with someone else. I hope not. He's the biggest domino to fall. They're waiting for him to sign or not sign, and then they're going to take care of everything else. But that's the thing. They shouldn't even be in this point. And the fact that they're making moves even outside of this that aren't, quite frankly, relevant is beyond me. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Braves right now. I, 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 I'm not Alex Anthopoulos. I'm not privy to what the Braves are are doing organizationally. But from an optics perspective, it looks so bad, Willie. It looks terrible. Yeah, 
no, I mean, it, it really does own. And uh, I will say this, though. Um, I mean, Anthopolis is not absolved of the blame completely here. I, you know, he can... I don't think it's completely fair to place all the blame on Liberty Media. It's very possible that... Uh, it's very possible that he had no choice, but it's also possible that he didn't do all he could to retain Freddie Freeman either, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, I just, we, we place blame on the owners because they're the ones who control the finances of the club. They're the ones who tell Terry McGurk how much money that Alex Anthopoulos has to spend. And Terry McGurk then communicates that to Alex Anthopoulos. And Anthopoulos has to make the moves that he <laughs> believes are best, uh, best suited to making the Braves contenders, to make them be able to repeat next year I, mm-hmm. they're not going to i would i would argue very strongly against that but well, uh you know well that's that's for uh that's for our nl preview i do want to move on to some of the other names though <laughs> uh the two big shortstop well i guess three if you want to put simeon yeah. in that category but the two major shortstops plus marcus simeon simeon oh, three Correa, and seager i read this the other day i think it was yesterday willie Correa is looking for a contract with a number that starts with three. as far as the annual the as far as the the financial value it starts with a three yeah that to me is absurd but you know what someone's probably gonna pay it because like you said he <sighs> look look astros aside um carlos correa is probably the highest potential shortstop that we have seen since I don't want to say a rod, but for, for many, many years. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it's a high value. That's for sure. Um, I, as you know, I'm a big Carlos Correa fan. Um, a huge fan. Um, I also, I just want to say a couple days ago when I read the, what he said about Derek Jeter, I thought it was spot on. <laughs> I, 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 I was so happy to read that like two days ago when it, <laughs> when it came out. Because <laughs> he's, he's right. Derek Jeter was a very bad fielder. Um, he just made one good diving catch into the stands, a couple good, uh, caught a couple good pop-ups running with his back towards home plate and made one really good throw where he, he backhanded it from shortstop and then threw in the air to first base. Um, <laughs> that being said, yeah, he's a great player. Uh, fantastic player. I think he's completely worth it. Um, for the most part, he's durable, which is Corey Seager is not. And he's just a really, really solid two-way player who I think is actually worth every penny. And to be honest with you, I think this Carlos Correa to the Dodgers thing doesn't sound so crazy after all, to be honest with you. Nope. Uh, I, I'm with you there because they're one of the only teams that can have that can afford it. I yeah. Mean, think about other teams that we talk about having the potential to spend big, uh, but aren't just aren't in the Dodgers league. Texas, no. Detroit, Seattle, none of those yeah. teams are in the same league as the Dodgers when it comes to the ability the raw ability to go out and just sign whoever they want with yeah. whatever sort of financial flexibility. <laughs> now, obviously they have to weigh in more than other franchises for obvious reasons. Maybe, maybe the Yankees are also 
in that yep. category, but the Yankees have, have said they're not going to overpay. They're not going to dish out that kind of deal. So they can kind of, we can kind of take the Yankees off the table a little bit, uh, at least for Correa. Um, I mean, there's, there, they have to consider the fact that he's mm-hmm. one of the chief instigators, if you will, on the Astros. I mean, he's one of the players who was most vocal about the fact that, yeah, they did something wrong, but the players aren't, mm. they're immune to punishment. They can't, you can, they, I mean, they're like, oh, what's in the past is in the past. We, you know, we, we did, we did things that were less than great, but that's all in the past. Now we're focused on the present. And that does not sit for what Do- doesn't sit well with Dodgers fans. Doesn't sit well with the Yankees. It shouldn't sit well with baseball fans, period. Gosh. So they I have to weigh that-, that more than most. I mean, look at, you look at the, the guys he would be joining. Cody oh. Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager is obviously one of the free agents, but a lot of the guys on the Dodgers, Max Muncie, Justin Turner, those guys who were part of that team, or Max Muncie, I don't think was part of the 2017 team. Um, he was. He was. He was part of that. He was okay. So I'm not. I'm not tripping. But the bottom line is, being part of that that team and welcoming in a player from that team. Yeah. Being part of the Dodgers, that one of the things I like about Korea, to be fair, though, is he really owned up. And honestly, like I believe this in life, and this is a larger conversation, but I believe life is about, um, you know, trying to, um, not shame people and 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 just, you know, like realizing and becoming the best person that you can. And it's not about judgment, and it's not about. It's about learning and growing, and I, I think one of the things I, I like, to be fair to Carlos Correa, is he's really come out, and he he owned his mistakes, and yeah, that's life. We all make mistakes, and we, and as long as we we acknowledge them and grow, we can move on, and we don't have to live with that, you know, the rest of their, our life, and other people, you know, can, can forgive. And to be fair, Carlos Correa is one of the only guys, in my opinion, that came out, and he's like, yeah, like, I... We did it. He's he's apologized, and I, I I appreciate that. So now you're right. The Dodgers do seemingly have very good clubhouse chemistry, but yeah, uh, it would be crazy. Uh, and I do just want to say really quick on that. Um, you know, Francisco Lindor reset the market. Man, that is looking like a really bad deal right now, and <laughs> he'd probably rather have. I mean, we're not even going to talk about Trevor Story, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, Trevor Story, you know, Javi Baez, the big three that you mentioned, uh, you know, Chris Taylor can play shortstop as well. Um, So, man, I mean, all these guys, there's a lot of good shortstops. And so I could totally see, I mean, I don't know, out of those guys I just mentioned, how would you rank them? Uh, I'd say Correa and Seager one and two. Uh, I'd probably put Baez slightly ahead of Story, just because Baez is better defensively, but mm-hmm. he does swing at practically Everything. every other pitch. Such a free swing. It's, it's like every other pitch, or something like fifty yeah. percent of pitches he swung at. Yeah. Or uh, pitches in. I it was a his swing rate is exceptionally absurd. high. It's absurd. Yep. And he tried to tone it down the second half of the season for the Mets, but I mean, there's only so much you can do really when you have that kind of profile. I mean, we're talking about Vladimir Guerrero, play discipline, like Vladdy Sr., not Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Jr. has one of the best eyes in baseball. Yes, he does. Bizarre to say. But, um, but yeah, it, I mean, I, I would say 
Correa, Seager, and uh, and um, and Baez in that order. And then Story is there. Simeon, do you want to classify him as a shortstop or a second baseman? Because he played a lot of second base, and to go back to playing shortstop after a year at second base could be a bit, a bit of an adjustment. I think that's the one thing that might I, cause yeah, people to hesitate. True. He's such Plus, a good builder, though. Right. Yeah. Plus, he's a little bit older, so... Yeah, that's fair. Than the, okay. than the rest of that class. I, I I am a bit higher in Trevor's story, to be honest. Mm. But but yeah, anyways, very interesting, you know, all those guys. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of guys to talk about. Uh, one cool. more one more guy I want to mention before we uh, before we move on, Willie, Marcus Stroman. I mentioned him a little yeah. earlier, but he had under the radar a very very good year for New York. So so here are his numbers. <laughs> so he was ten and thirteen. Obviously, the wins wins are not a. a individual stat their team stat uh a 3.6 war an era of 302 in 33 games 33 starts 179 innings 158 strikeouts with a 1.145 whip more interestingly enough or interestingly enough rather i can speak english properly uh his fip for 2021 was Mm three four nine Mm-hmm. so he had good good yeah. defense around him but that's still a solid number yeah FIP. because by and large players fip is going to be higher than their era yep. big league level i mean unless you have a team that just cannot play defense for the life of them so we're looking at a player who yeah he's he's 30 years old but is he still one of the better pitchers in baseball yeah he definitely is and he's He's going to get, a, a, I think, a good deal, but I don't think he's going to be overpaid just because I think the the arguments against him are always the same, like, oh, he's too small or, you know, doesn't throw hard enough, doesn't get him any strikeouts, but that's just the era we live in. He's still going to fly under the radar as far as the, the free agent class is going to go, but I tell, I'm telling you, Will, whoever gets Marcus Stroman is going to turn their rotation from good to great. Yeah, you're it's right. the right team. He, um, he was one of the few bright spots for the Mets. What a disappointing year for the Mets. Jeez Louise, but yeah, he's a he's a really interesting name that's kind of going under the radar for sure. Really solid pitcher, really and really energetic too. Um, funny yeah, guy to follow I'm on social media too. I'll throw that out there. What's that? No, he's a funny guy to follow on social media. He yeah, was clapping yeah, at Yankees fans the other day. It was really funny. Um, you know, it's interesting, Owen. Uh, some I did see something that linked him to the Red Sox. I think that'd be an interesting move. Replace would not be player. would not be a horrible deal, and plus with Avaldi being a free agent after this season, this coming season, twenty twenty two, someone Tanner Houck, Chris Sale off of Tommy John surgery just lost Eduardo Rodriguez. They they need depth. They need they, pitchers. They need something. Yeah, I mean, uh, you obviously can't rely on Pavetta or no guys. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I think the Mets, um, they should try to keep him, but uh, yeah, wow. So uh, we'll 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 see what happens to uh, a one Marcus Stroman why is in the offseason. I think that could be a good one too. I think the the well, situation would be. One? How about that? Yeah, I think I think that'd be a good fit. The situation's right for him to come back. He would be part of what would be a very very good rotation. Can you imagine if they got him and and kept Robbie Ray too? Oh no, that they must have more money than God if they're able to do that. That that would be that would be insanity. But because yeah. you think of. You think of the amount of money those two are going to command? I mean, yes, they're both 30 years old, but they're Too in funny. the prime of their career. And, and you know, who says they can't sign front-loaded deals like Trevor Bauer? 
<laughs> who says they can't have have deals that pay them upwards of 40 45 million dollars in the first couple of years yeah yeah i mean so, heck. i think that that is an interesting precedent for pitchers i think that's that's a format for a deal a a structure for a contract that's going to be a lot more prevalent in the next few years because we understand that pitchers are chasing velocity hitters are chasing long chasing launch angles and strikeouts and home runs or they're not chasing strikeouts rather but the strikeouts are going up and they're chasing home runs and and what have you so it'd be interesting maybe pitchers aren't going to be as durable as we thought yeah absolutely on i think i think you're definitely right you know yeah. absolutely so well, I, I talked about this earlier. I wanted to talk about Scott Boris and some of the stuff he said about yeah. uh, teams tanking. So basically, for those, we I think we mentioned it briefly last week, but mm-hmm. Scott Boris had this take for reporters at the GM meetings uh, in San Diego. And he said that teams tanking is bad for the competitive integrity of the sport because you look at teams who know that they're not going to win the World Series this this year, so they kind of play for the future and they they sell off their best stars to get draft picks. And he specifically name-dropped the Atlanta Braves because the Braves were a team who they went and got Eddie Rosario from Cleveland. Cleveland was kind of stuck in neutral all year, never really got it going. It was kind of around that 500 mark for most of the year and just yeah. never got it going. They got Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval and some money. Uh, Jorge Soler from a pretty less than stellar Kansas City Royals team. They went and got Adam Duvall from a pretty mediocre Marlins team. And they went and got Jock Peterson from a struggling Cubs team. So none of those teams were, let me put it this way, none of those teams were playing to win in 2021. Maybe even, not really 2022. So they're like, okay, let me sell off these players. And the Braves went ahead and said, okay, well, let me let me do all of these. Of those four players, Willie, the only one who was having an average to above average season was Adam Duvall. Yeah. And even so, Adam Duvall did not tear the cover off the ball for the Braves the second half of the year. He provided some timely hits, and he was a pretty decently important performer in the postseason, but he wasn't the most valuable player for sure. He wasn't the most important player. He was just another piece in the puzzle that the Braves needed to win the World Series. But the other three guys, Peterson was struggling, Solaire was struggling, just starting to find it a little bit when he was traded, and Rosario was hurt when he was acquired. So Boris saying what he's saying, specifically using that example, means that he is blaming teams capitalizing on what is a flawed American model of rewarding the worst teams in the league with in the form of draft picks in the hopes that it maintains some sort of competitive integrity for the league. Now we can talk about the, the model of it in the sense that finishing last either gives you the first pick overall in next year's draft or the highest chance to land the first pick in the case of the NBA. But like, like I get it. He has a point, but using that example is just so stupid because that's not at all what the case is. The, 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 the Braves did not just go to every struggling team and say, I'm going to pick your best player, I'm going to pick your best player, and I'm going to pick your best player. Not quite how that works, and that's an oversimplification on his end. And he he name-dropped the Dodgers as well because he's a Dodgers fan, and and he, he marveled at the way that they develop players and develop prospects and use those prospects to land the big fish like Scherzer and Turner. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's that same argument. 
Turner was the best player, one of the best players on the Nats when he was traded. Sure. So Scherzer was one of the best pitchers in the league, still is one of the best pitchers in the league when he was traded. So it's kind of a circular argument because the Nats weren't going to win this year. So did they tank? Not really, but they went and got prospects from other teams. Yeah. They got draft picks. So, you know, the argument that Scott Boris is trying to push here, I get it. I understand his reasoning. But man, is is that a flawed example? And is it just, it just reeks of saltiness and it reeks of a, some, it reeks of someone who needs a serious privilege check for someone who is going to be paid incredibly handsome this winter, incredibly handsomely because look at his clientele, Willie, who does, who does he represent? Like half of the free agent market. Yeah, the big names, on, anyway. I mean, I think um, I just want to say um, that it's interesting. So I agree with you completely that the Atlanta Braves example isn't a good example. Um, I felt that it was, it was, you know, these are all guys that kind of typical trade deadline deals, you know, that you kind of look for. But that said, Owen, I find this topic extremely interesting, like extremely interesting. Um, and um, and look, there's been a lot of, I mean, we could, t- honestly, I could talk for an hour about this, no hyperbole. I think tanking is one of the biggest issues in, in sports. I think it's a huge deal in the MLB. Um, you know, and, um, I, I'm glad we're talking about this cause I just want to make a couple of interesting points right here. Mm-hmm. So one is, and I think the number one point is that there are too many teams in my opinion, in the MLB that perpetually lose and not to say they can't be good, but really really perpetually lose so first of all you've got detroit and you know kansas city and tampa tampa bay for like like so long like was terrible um you know and then you know if you remember uh the pirates too i don't know if i mentioned the pirates you also remember i mean remember how big the deal was three four years ago do you remember when the, when the Marlins, the new ownership, came in? They traded Yelich, they traded Osuna, they traded D. Gordon. Uh, there was one more guy. Who was the other guy on that team? Stanton. Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton. Um, and and so everyone was like, man, they're not even trying to win, you know. And so I think that to me, it's a really big deal on and 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 fans as much as we like to talk about the wins i mean fans don't want to see their team stink for so long or or like you said not not try to win and um i think the unfortunate part is i i to be honest i do agree on the overall point i do think way too many teams in the mlb are trying to tank um if you look around the mlb about half the teams or more are, are not trying to win, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I could talk about this for a long time, but um, 
I think it's a really sad reality. And and there's a difference between a team, you know, picking up kind of like Milwaukee or, or kind of rebuilding or like the Braves, you know, uh, having a plan where they 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 may not be good for year two, but they, they're getting literally better. I trust that Washington will get better soon. But overall, um, other than Tampa Bay, the MLB has this problem where, to be honest, it's like teams that are good generally stay good for a while. Teams that are bad stay bad for a while. There, I don't think there's very much turnaround there. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a problem. No, you, you, you bring up some good points, Willie. And there's, there is a problem for sure. Tanking is a problem, and not just baseball too, across all American sports. And one of the big things that makes tanking, the concept of just throwing a season away, trading us off some of your biggest assets so you can try to compete in the, in the future, not necessarily even yeah. next season, but in the future, that's common because in the American system of, of the American sporting system where teams that finish last in the league are given some sort of what is perceived to be competitive advantage because they have the best shot at getting the next crop of available talent, which is always going to be draft picks, right? The one thing that is going to separate, by and large, I mean, this is holding all things equal in every club, every sports team, every franchise has its its different way of operating. But by and large, the ones that are able to stay successful for longer are going to be, A, the clubs in the big media markets, LA, New York, Chicago, etc. And B teams that embrace analytics and yeah. playing money ball yes. and trying to maximize and squeeze out value in places where there may not be value to other people or places where you're taking a, a raw product, a raw product that others have passed on and thinking we can go develop this. We can develop this and make it better because Willie, let's look at the 2020 world series. Okay. 2020 World Series featured Dodgers and the Rays. Two teams that you would think do it very, very differently. But they actually do it the exact same way. Same, yeah. They are, these, they are molded by the same sort of people, the same analytics-minded people who believe that there is a way to kind of formulate a strategy that doesn't require millions and millions and millions of dollars i.e like the new york yankees yeah the difference with the dodgers though is that they have that kind of money they have the they have yankees money they have probably more money than the yankees these days or at least more of a willingness to spend that kind of money mm -hmm. these days yeah and so it comes down to play teams not having the right approach when it comes to tanking and it comes to teams not knowing how to properly utilize their draft picks yeah so the difference between teams that either are perpetually bad and the teams that aren't is money and analytics yeah teams that have both like the dodgers are by and large going to be more successful 
for extended periods of time. They won't have to tank because they operate on a model that's already incredibly sustainable. Yeah. They mm -hmm. develop well, they draft well, and they can pay well. Yeah. If you can do those three things, Willie, you don't have to tank. You can mm -hmm. be good for a long time. And yes, things happen. It's not always going to be the same. I mean, look at the injury bug that hit Liverpool last year. I mean, how how many people had that on their bingo card for the 2020-2021 season? Different sport, same principle. There's there's always the unforeseen that may push you in that direction. But say <laughs> the Dodgers win. I mean, this is never going to happen. But say the Dodgers win 70 games next season, right? Do, do they feel like they have to tank? No. They don't because they can withstand that. But another team, say the Atlanta Braves win 70 games, they feel like they have to because it's like, oh, this core is not good enough. We need to blow it up and start over. Yeah. If you have a model in place like Tampa, the Dodgers, then you don't have to resort to trying to get a draft pick because you probably already have a database of players that is thousands of lines long that you can just go to and say, okay, this guy. Yeah. He turns into the next Cody Bellinger or the next Jock Peterson or yeah. the next Corey Seager. Sure. Draft no, well, I, develop well, and pay well. I think you, you hit it right on the nail. Analytics and draft picks, if you don't have the money, are the way to go. Um, it's just they're the huge equalizer, and it's why it seems like teams like Tampa have such like depth in the organization. It's incredible. But um, it's just incredibly sad because you see teams that, that don't do those things well and they're just bad for a long time. I mean, even think about the Padres, right? Padres just went on spending sprees, <laughs> you know, for the most part. I mean, they got um, Fernando Tatis and Cronenworth, but, um, you know, like they... They were bad for so long, and it's not like they had a plan either. <laughs> I, it just feels like too many teams in the MLB, and they just don't have, like you said, they don't have a good, good, smart front offices. And um, it results in a bad product, though, and especially in a sport where there's 162 games and we need more fan interest. It's just bad when, when, you're, when you're playing losing baseball and you don't have faith that – we're, we're, we're not going to rebound, you know? Yep. No, that's it. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Exactly. Spot on. Yeah. I do want to mention though, very quickly before we move on to uh, the brief rewards roundup, there's, I guess you, we could get into a bigger debate about this, but I think at the end of the day, the one, the one thing that's important to remember though, will always be that, Banking in and of itself is one method mm. to get your team to be where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. It's the conventional method. It is a symptom, not a cause. Yeah. The cause is teams not figuring out that baseball is played in the 21st century. <laughs> in the 21st century, we have technology. We have analytics. It's not a nerd's thing. It's not a crutch thing. It's a tool that you can decide how you would like it to be used. You can embrace it fully, like the Rays, like the Dodgers, like the Red Sox, etc. Or you can ignore it, like some other teams, and spend years in the dumpster. And so, 
Is it the model that needs to be changed? Yes, I think it is. But is it also product of a bigger problem tanking is? Yes, I think it is. Well, and again, we could get into this for, for hours and hours and hours. The big philosophical discussion goes up there with, would you rather be a fan of a terrible team like the Atlanta Falcons or like who's always perennially bad or a team like the Atlanta Braves who are always in the playoffs but never win it until 2021? Uh, just a reminder that the 2021 world champions are indeed the Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. I actually have to pinch myself again. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right, Owen. I think it is a, it's not the ca cause of the problem, it's a symptom of the problem. But, there has to be something done about these teams that just perpetually lose or that just have fire sales. Like, I don't think I, I, as a fan, it's painful to do the fire sale method because there's no guarantee. If you couple that, like you said, with the a front office that that's going to go anywhere, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I trust Mike Rizzo. Right. But you know, some of these other teams, if you're going to offload your good players, I mean, please, like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be good again, you know? Yeah. And, and the other thing to, to keep in mind as well for, for people listening, sports teams, sports exist in cycles. Teams go through ebbs and flows all the time. There are periods where teams are bad for a long, long time, but then they're good again. I mean, the Yankees in the seventies were abysmal or was it, it was the sixties. I think it was, I can't remember. There was, there was one era my dad was telling me about, uh, when I was a kid, he was like, oh, and I just want you to remember that as as good as the Yankees are right now, they were awful when I was a kid. Yeah. So if I can say that sentence out loud, that means that my kids should be able to say that sentence out loud and their kids should be able to say the same thing. It's ebbs and flows. It's it's just that's just the way it is. I just want to say one more thing, though, Owen. Yeah. Like, real quick. We'll go along. Just very quick. This is a, a business and it is a product. And I, I think we forget that sometimes the goal is there has to be some balance. It can't all about be a champion, winning a championship in six years. Some of it's got to be every day these fans need a reason to want to watch the team. Yep. It can't just be day after day. We've got nothing to look forward to, you know? So. Yep. Well, I mean, to that point, though, I, I would quickly argue that uh, fans don't want to see losing. Fans want to see championships. And if you're a fan, you want an owner like a Steve Cohen mm. who's like, I'm going to spend whatever we need to. You don't want an owner like Liberty Media. No, you don't you want don't. an owner who's in it for the business. You want an owner who's in it for the winning. Who's in it to win. Mm. This is... I think we all need this reminder at some point because we get a little too into it. Sports are a game it is a game and we treat it like it is a business i was having this conversation with my brother the other day it is a game right it's being treated like a business a business for the the teams but a game right but it is a it is a game yeah the product is a game yeah it's entertainment a game yeah it's it is not real business yeah it's a and, and there's a business involved in it but yeah, let's yeah. remember but at the end of the day sure it is a game yeah. It's not that deep at the end of the day. Like, I, yeah, yes, we get worked up about it. And yes, you and I have a podcast about it, which you're listening to right now. But yeah. it is a game. It's sure, a game. right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the game, there are some players, Willie, who are very, very good at this game. We mentioned Robbie Ray, the AL Cy Young Award winner for 2021. He was kind of the consensus pick for a lot of folks. I don't think a lot of people had 
Uh, Lance Lynn winning. Uh, certainly didn't have Garrett Cole winning. But the NL Cy Young Award winner, Corbin Burns. That one was hotly contested. A lot of folks were not happy that Burns won it over Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. Yeah. Volume, I think, is the big argument in favor of Zach Wheeler. And that if you extrapolate Burns' numbers, Wheeler actually has a similar similar level of production. Yeah. Personally, Willie, though, I, I don't think it's... I mean, I think it's you could have... You couldn't have gone wrong either way you go with this. Sure. You go Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, you go Max Scherzer. I don't think there's a wrong answer for any of those. Sure, it was... Yeah, it was close. Um, you know, it was, it's interesting, right? We kind of had... Um, you know, we had one runaway MVP. Uh, and then, you know, Cy Young's... You're right, different story. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, probably, you know, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Corbin Burns winning, you know, but no. there's certainly debate for sure. Absolutely for sure. Um, Zach Wheeler is a great story. Uh, he came out of nowhere compared to where he was a few years ago mm. to when he was on the Mets and was like, can we trust him at all to even pitch in the rotation? Yep. So now it's an incredible story. Yeah, I, I would say Corbin Burns just so when he's playing, he's so good that I, I mean, it's hard to argue against Corbin. Yeah. Burns. And and the thing is, it's this is a subjective award that's voted on by writers who watch this game and have different they they cover different teams. Some are national reporters, some are specific team reporters, some are on say the Red Sox beat, the Braves beat, the Cleveland beat, they they have specific assignments. So they watch these players week in and week out. Is a Brewers reporter not going to vote for Corbin Burns? No, probably not. They're going to vote for Corbin Burns because they see him so regularly. Whereas they may not watch Max Scherzer. They may not watch Zach Wheeler, but they watch Corbin Burns regularly. And so that's one of the things to me that's, it's a little bit, depends on who the writers are watching, where they're watching them, and what their big thing is. Because by and large, Willie, the job of a sports writer is to go to the games, interview the players, watch mm-hmm. the games, interview the players after the games, and write a story. That's the vast majority of a baseball writer's job, right? And mm-hmm. so when you have ones that are, say, a Phillies beat writer, then how many Zach Wheeler starts are you going to go to? Quite a few. But are you going to go see... Corbin Burns? No, probably not as much. If they play each other, yeah, you'll see they'll see them go head to head. But you know, it's one of those things that it's subjective, and you you easily could have gone either way. You yeah. really could have, and and Scherzer would not have been a bad answer either. Yeah, uh, absolutely, so, absolutely. So sure. I, I I personally didn't have an issue with with uh, any of the Cy Young awards. MVP is a different story, yeah. and we've talked about this a lot. Austin, Austin Riley finished ninth. That's like despicable. Absolutely despicable. The Braves do not go to the playoffs without Austin Riley. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say it right there, right there. Yeah. Because in the beginning of the season, the month of April, Freddie Freeman was hitting under 200. Guess who wasn't hitting under 200 in the month of April? Austin Riley. Yeah. Guess who was hitting 300 throughout the whole season? Austin Riley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Guess who was durable sure. and played 156 games? I think it was Austin mm-hmm. Riley. Guess who led his team to the playoffs? Austin Riley. 
Guess who isn't a liability defensively? Sure. Austin Riley. Guess who was a higher war than the MVP? Austin Riley. Finished ninth. He finished yeah. below Paul Goldschmidt and Tyler O'Neill, who somehow had a higher war than he did. But if it's not the war award, it's a popularity contest. And I, I just want to thank the Baseball Arts Association for confirming that it is indeed a popularity contest. Yeah. Unless unless there's a, a generational story like with Otani, it's a popularity contest. Soto, Harper, yeah. Tatis. Man, I didn't. I, I'm surprised. Uh no, Austin Riley, I agree. I mean, that's um, – I, I was very surprised about Soto, to be honest with you. It's finishing second. That one kind yeah. of got me. But I agree, man. I mean, Austin Riley really got – I know it's a regular season reward, but he feels like he got extremely shafted. Yeah, there's a huge recency bias, I think, with a lot of the writers because they don't cast their votes until close to the end of the season. Or the votes are due right before the postseason starts, which is – October, right? If Austin Riley did the vast majority of, of his production in the first half of the season, is he going to get a lot of MVP votes? No, probably not. But if he does it all in September, then yeah, he's going to get a ton of MVP votes. Uh, Willie, I, I want you to guess what Bryce Harper did in his last uh, meaningful series of the season. Three games yeah. in Atlanta, end of yeah, September. that's right, the very last games. Um... How many hits did he have? Uh, judging by what you're saying, maybe two. <laughs> zero. Zero hits. He went over in the three critical games against Atlanta that wow. clinched this that clinched the division for the Braves. Wow. Ofer. Any one MVP. Mm. Uh, look, I get it. He led the majors in OPS. He's Bryce Harper. He had a phenomenal year. Particularly phenomenal second half. Wow. As if Austin Riley didn't. As if Austin Riley wasn't a consistent performer through the whole season, not just 65, 70 games of it. But, wow. Um, apparently, uh, apparently it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, to finish, that's the thing that irked me. He finished behind two Cardinals who remind me what the Cardinals record was before that 17-game winning streak. Yeah, it, no, no, no bueno. No, 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 no good. No good. Yeah. It was bad. It was, a, it was a losing record, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, look, I get it. I, I said the Cardinals were the hottest team in baseball. I picked them to go to the World Series when the postseason started. My edited picks, I was completely wrong about all of them. So, that shows what I know. Hey, it's okay. But I watch enough baseball to know that most valuable does not mean most valuable for two months of the season. Most valuable means for the duration of the season. If you take that player away from that team, are they as successful? And the answer is no. Yeah, absolutely. I think we lose the definition of what's the most valuable player, right? Yeah. And there's all this chatter of, of what the award should be. Should it be best position player and most valuable? Or should it be the war who, who has the highest war? And it's just, it's... It's a head scratcher, is is all I can say, Willie. It's, it's interesting real... how in baseball. I know it's a different sport, but in the, in, in the NBA, the for the MVP winning is like the top. Like you've got to be incredible, like on an incredible winning team to win the MVP. Feels like baseball. It's a different story. It's kind of kind of interesting how that happens. Yep. Uh, I mean, thankfully, Willie. Though, thankfully, this was just one of the leagues. The other league 
thankfully, much more straightforward. Yeah. I mean, was there ever a world in which Otani was not going to win MVP? <laughs> Judging no. by the voting? No. Yeah, and, 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 and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Right. I mean, we're talking about a. So, I mean, if, if he didn't win MVP, there, I would have started a riot probably, because how do you? How are you going to go ahead and win, or be be awarded a commissioner's historic achievement award for your work throughout an entire season and not win most valuable player? I mean, that just does, does not make sense to me, unless you did something that's completely intangible, like a Jackie Robinson. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. So I'm glad that they got that one right. The funny thing I want to point out before we move on to the U.S. men's national team and switch gears to soccer, Willie. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani got 30 first place votes for AL MVP. Mm-hmm. You know how many second place votes Vladdy Jr. got? Mm, more. He got 29. There's th- 29. out of 30 total. Otani got a perfect thirty out of thirty. There's more than thirty. Wow, who? Wow, one person. Vladdy got, they vote for second. One person voted for Sal Perez. Oh. In second, gave Sal a second Perez. place vote to Sal Perez. One writer. Wow. Otherwise, Willie, you take that out of the equation. We're looking at a scenario where there are almost two unanimous MVPs. You take Otani out of the equation, and Vladdy is unanimous as well. I mean, it's it's borderline ridiculous. The fact that that makes it even more and more incredible to me is the fact that you have someone who was so historic in the way he dominated both sides of the game that he overshadowed someone who also would have been a unanimous MVP. Unanimous. If not for another unanimous MVP. I mean, that's, just wrap it, trying to wrap my head around that isn't is impossible. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but you know, Man. listen. Awards are all subjective. Austin Riley, in the end, at the end of the day, has the one that matters the most, and that's the World Series. World trophy. Series, and he'll take it. I do just want take to say though, real quick, I'm really glad Otani got unanimous MVP because that kind mm-hmm. of stuff actually does matter. Like, yeah, you get unanimous, you know. So, yeah, good for him. Good yeah, for him. and. I, I explained this to my friends because uh, some of my friends from, from college are not big baseball guys. Um, they're baseball guys when the Giants are, or the A's are good, but not when they're not good. It is what it is. Um, yeah. But I tried to explain this to, to my friends. I, I basically put it this way. Shohei Otani is like if LeBron James was as good of a shooter as Steph Curry. That's, that's what Otani did this season. I mean, wow. it's it's hard to it's hard to yeah kind of put two and two together like that. But when you consider the fact that Michael Jordan was a two, he hit two fifty at double A. Yeah, know, we're talking about one of the greatest athletes ever who hit two fifty. That puts into perspective how hard baseball is. So there's no real one to one comparison for what Otani did. And I think it's 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 a shame that baseball is not more popular because more people needed to see this. Yeah, I mean you know. We can't, we cannot forget how great a season we have to always remind ourselves because it was so special. And that's the other reason why it's even watch the stuff in the first place. So, yep, we always have to remind how great a year that was. And, and to be honest with you, Owen, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he drops off somewhat, you know, next oh, year, not at all. 50 or something. So, 
we always got to remember this because it was, we may never get something like this again, man. And uh, what a special year it was. Just yep. incredible. Um, look, I'm just happy that we got to see it. And it would have been nice to watch more Otani. But, you know, if MLB continues to black out regional games, then we're going to have a problem being able to actually see Shohei Otani. Uh, but I guess that's extended for us to go to an Angels game, you know? Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have to figure that out. Absolutely, absolutely. Go see I mean, uh, Otani. He stays there and doesn't leave one day. Yes, yes, you would hope so. Or but, if he's gonna I mean, if he's hey, gonna leave. If the Angels don't get their act together, I mean, he might leave. Yeah, I mean, if he leaves, uh, let's hope he goes to the Dodgers. <laughs> wow. Stay in the area. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, if the I Angels just... do that, they should just pick up and move out of town. <laughs> just leave. Just go to who doesn't have a team? Utah. Go, go be a go be a team in Utah or something like that, or uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, well, New Mexico have, Angels. They, they, they have AAA teams, both those cities, but mm. but yeah, for sure. You know. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, Willie, switching gears to uh, to football, the beautiful game. Thank God the international break is over, um, because I'm just excited for the Premier League to come back. I know you want to talk about the U.S. men's national team, but let's quickly. Give a, 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 the listeners a glimpse into what next, uh, what this next match day is going to bring us. So there's two games I want to highlight for you all, both on Saturday. Number one, Aston Villa at home to Brighton. The reason I highlight Villa, hmm. none other than Stevie G. Steven Gerrard's first game as a Premier League manager. I think we're not going to see right out of the gate how he wants his teams to play. But what Steven... Gerard is going to do as Villa manager is very much a product of his Liverpool days as a youth coach and his days at Rangers. And what I mean by that is he takes from Liverpool the DNA that Jurgen Klopp brought to the club and the philosophy from the top all the way down to the youth system. Gerard taking that to Rangers, winning a title, and then now Gerard coming back to England. I think it's going to be like Villa have have potentially a very exciting play style on their hand. Potentially. Mm-hmm. We'll see how everything pans out. The other game is the big one of the week. Liverpool Arsenal at Anfield. This one's always a high scoring one. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like five to three. <laughs> I mean, neither team is going to is going to really defend all that well. Truly. I mean, Liverpool, for some reason this year, just haven't defended well. Yeah. Uh, even I mean, they With better their- than last year, of course, because they actually have center backs now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just not. There's something that the cohesion's missing. I think they'll they'll get it at some point when Fabinho is able to play in his preferred number six role, and Van Dyke is healthy, and one of Matip or Konate is healthy, and then they play together, and and Allison isn't fouled by a West Ham player <laughs> for the billionth time in his career. Yeah. Uh, and and we can move on with our lives. I don't I don't I don't believe that one. I, I I wasn't a fan of the complaining truthfully, but um it's it's easy when you can uh you know when well, you're not I, being I'll fouled. say this. I'll say this. I didn't think what Klopp said a clear foul was was the right way of putting it. I I thought there's an argument to be made, but I thought that was just the someone that kind of lost his emotions in the heat of a moment. It's understandable, but um, yeah, it's a big moment. But yeah, that being said, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, Brighton are one of the surprise teams of the season. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, uh, it's really exciting, Owen. I mean, I think I, I have no idea what Steven Gerrard is going to bring. I think it was great that he went to Rangers as Jurgen Klopp advised him to go out of the public light. And now hopefully three years is enough. And obviously winning the Scottish Premier League last year is an incredible accomplishment. Um, look, I, I love soccer. I, I could, I, I would enjoy just sitting there and, and watch whatever game, whatever league, but, um, it just, it's, it, it's going to make an incredible story. And, um, I just hope I, and I'm also really glad. I just want to say, I'm really glad that he chose, uh, you know, Oh, I think he chose a really good club. Mm-hmm. I he agree. chose a club. That's a patient club that has good financial resources, but, um, and a standard, but also not too much where he's going to get heavily criticized and base. That's good. <laughs> and, but not too much. And, uh, and look, look what happened to Frank Lampard now, right? Yep. I mean, <laughs> um, there were he was linked to Crystal Palace, and he was linked to Norwich, and it really looked like he was going to get the Norwich job, and his future, I'm not sure what his future holds. So, I think Steven Gerrard, you know, um, is on the right path. On, I think he's. I don't know. On what do you what do you think? What What are your expectations? I I would very quietly be very excited if I was a Villa fan because there's an element of, of, of you know, it's a bittersweet moment because Dean Smith, you know, he's a, he's a Villa guy through and through. And, you know, when you have a manager like that, who's very much of the DNA of your club, you feel a certain way about about him managing. And, and of course, him being fired kind of it, it felt kind of sudden, honestly, because I don't think Villa were struggling all that much. I mean, they're not, you know, they're obviously not top of the league, but. You know, it's it it just did not seem it didn't seem like it was the first one that was going to happen. Obviously, Daniel Farka was not uh, not exactly uh, out of nowhere. Uh, but look, I mean, they're they're 16th in the table right now, so it's not completely unheard of for for them to fire Dean Smith. But I don't know, maybe maybe that's just. I mean, there's there's way too much talent on this team to potentially get scrapped in a relegation battle. I mean, yes, God, I don't think. I don't think they believe they're in a relegation battle. If they did, they wouldn't have gotten Steven Gerrard. They would have got Tony Pulis or Sam Allardyce. They right. would have gone for the the anti-relegation. Well, though Sam Allardyce's record finally got broken back in May, which is... <laughs> did. Yeah, oof, it didn't work tough. out. It didn't work yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest yeah. with you, Owen, I mean, to be perfectly honest, right, I, I, I think strictly looking on paper, I don't see any reason why... They couldn't finish in a Europa League spot, just strictly on, on paper, how good the squad is. Um, so, I think definitely top half of the table, like Dean Smith said, is maybe a bit unrealistic for this season, but should hopefully next season be a good move. And uh, yeah, but there's definitely a risk. I mean, like you said, look, um, there's no preseason, and Yes, it doesn't feel like they're in a relegation battle. Odds are they won't be, but um, man, I mean, could we be looking at 10, 15 games from now being like, wow, Steven Gerrard made a mistake taking this job? So, I mean, we could. I mean, it's 
it's a very i mean very difficult league to manage it we'll put it that way it, nothing is given in in england no and and particularly on with the clubs down there at the relegation battle right you have new newcastle with the new ownership and a new manager uh you know you've got watford which is a pretty well-run club uh you know leeds united uh burnley never gets relegated so they have a lot of competition down there. I mean, it may not they may not think they're in a relegation fight, but Norwich is the only team that's certainly going down. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you look at the squad for Villa, there's a lot of really exciting players here. Mm. Uh Emmy Martinez as the number one. He's a solid goalkeeper. Incredible. Uh Matthew Matty Cash. Yeah. Uh recently a Poland international, which is a, a nice change. Yeah, uh, certainly for him, he gets to play with Lewandowski. That's a cool yeah, one. Yeah, yep. Uh, got- Tyrone Mings, right? Mings, Ashley Young's on their books for sure. Experience: Douglas Luiz, John McGinn, yeah, Wendia, Trezeguet, yeah, and then the one oh, player God. that I'm gonna, Ollie Watkins, and the one player that I would circle is Leon Bailey. Oh, when he's who, healthy, yeah, he's when he's healthy and when he's playing, he's he's right up there with the best. I mean, he was. Yeah. He was, when he was playing for Leverkusen, when he was at his best, uh, he was in that conversation for one of the best wingers in, yeah, in Germany. Absolutely. If not Europe. He's one of the more fun players to watch. Yeah. I mean, he's just so, so electrifying on the ball. He's got so much pace. Yes. Yeah. El Ghazi is another guy I like, too, um, yeah. on that team. So, lots to look forward to this weekend. Of course, there's other games, too. I mean, let's, you know, quick run through of, of the other games. You have uh, City and Everton. I know that's one of them. Uh Mm. there's i mean there's a couple other good games there's nothing really earth shattering this weekend outside of obviously liverpool arsenal because you know anytime it's the the big six get together it's it's always a big one to watch but uh leicester city chelsea that could be a good one but leicester's kind of struggled this year in in parts uh chelsea have been you know top of the league been playing well villa brighton which you just talked about burnley crystal palace uh crystal palace playing well as well vieira's got them Playing some, yeah. some good football. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah. for for soccer lovers, I mean, who could watch any game, any league. I mean, you know, see teams like Crystal Palace. It's exciting, you know. I mean, but I, I do, I do just think though that uh, I do just want to mention. I am there's a. I mean, all the games I'm looking forward to. Conte, another second game for Conte. I'm really looking forward to the Man United Watford game though. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. man, if if they lose to Watford, gosh, maybe we'll see a manager change. So what if they what if they smash Watford like five nil, and Oli gets another two year extension? <laughs> they'll Oli's at the wheel. Oli's at the wheel. They'll be like they rewrote the wrong, and then they'll play their next game and <laughs> in this brutal stretch. Um, yep. Newcastle and Brentford. We haven't really talked about Newcastle because of since the takeover and of course appointing Eddie Howe as manager. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a that's a huge appointment for Eddie Howe and it's kind of gone under the radar for me personally because of Stevie G coming back to England. But man, Eddie Howe is a great manager and you think about how much money he's going to get to spend <laughs> both in January and in uh, next summer's transfer window. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Oh man's gonna have some money on his hands. Yeah, they're gonna be able to go out and uh, sign sign some talent. Put it that way, quality players. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. On. Um, 
I gotta tell you, man. Um, Eddie Howe is a fantastic manager. I think he's a fantastic manager, and um, I really hope that he gets a chance. And they don't see him as a stepping stone to when, in a couple years, when they have all this money, that they're not going to look for a top of the top manager. Because I think Eddie Howe is really incredible. I always liked watching the Bournemouth teams. They they were a real joy to watch the way they played, the yeah. passing and everything. And so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see him coach. Yeah, and he seems like just a good noodle to you. Listen to his interviews; he just seems like nice a really guy. good guy. Seems like a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Norwich Southampton, kind of a lower table one, but uh, you know Dean Smith back in back in management. A uh, 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 whopping what? How long did it take for him to get that job after he got fired? A good like <laughs> uh, maybe week, week and a half. A week and a half. So right back in it. Uh, Watford United, like you mentioned, Willie, and then uh, Wolves and West Ham. Yeah, well, man, I mean, West Ham are, are, gosh, they're an incredible story. Yep. Um, man, if they can finish top four. <laughs> Just shatter the big six yeah. as we know it. Uh, and yeah. we talked about City, Everton, and then Tottenham and Leeds. Dante's second game in charge. Yeah. Gosh, I hope Leeds doesn't get relegated. Yeah, that would that would be, be a real shame. They've added a lot to the Premier League, but right. they've really struggled this season for the most part. It's just it's just fun to watch Bielsa. Bielsa yeah. and his and he adds entertainment product. He does. Know? He does. He adds an entertainment value to this. It's game. really nice when you see these teams want to play. I mean, it's just you know. And yeah. actually that's one of the things that's really exciting, to be honest with you, Owen. Um really Burnley is the only team where I'm like, there Burnley is gonna sit there and and play the way they do <laughs> but for the most part you know Watford Leeds uh Brentford uh Brighton uh Newcastle I'm sure that he how Norwich don't care um they're you know they're all going <laughs> for it <laughs> so ouch I mean oh, they they Norwich just doesn't care they want to play the way they want to play you know what I mean so yeah. Yeah. These, these things happen, Willie. Um, I do want to mention, though, really quickly, Brentford, they're going to surprise a lot of people who are kind of casual followers. I mean, they already got the, that crazy 3 3 draw against bit, Liverpool. Though. They slipped a little bit. A little bit, but I'm that, telling that you. Also, by the way, uh, one of the better games of the season, maybe at the end. Um, yeah. You think that's a candidate for it? So far, yeah. I, I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. It was, it was like watching that game, I didn't think this was. 100% Liverpool throwing a lead away. I mean, that's that's what mm. on paper that's what it was. But Brentford earned every every bit of that. They earned yeah. the point. They they went out and they fought for it against Liverpool. And, I mean, admittedly Liverpool made a, a couple mistakes that were pretty crucial, but yeah. You know, you you kind of in in situations like that you kind of I, I don't want to say you earn your luck, but you put yourself in a position where if you get a break, you're able to capitalize on it. And I think that's just what happened. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Um, it was, uh, it was a great fight back. Um, you're right. It, you know, it's kind of like sometimes the other team just, they play well and they deserve it. You know, Brent mm-hmm. really deserved it. That game. They absolutely did. did. Absolutely. But they've slipped a little bit after their fast start. They're, you know, 14th, I think in the table. 
Um, but yeah, they're they're really excited. They they're the one every year. There's always pretty much one team that comes up and surprises, and they seem like they have the foundation to stay even after this year. So really fun team to watch. They've they've added a lot. It's a yep. reminder too that this game is not just a game for the rich. You know, nope. a small club with a small stadium and <laughs> in London with all these other you know good teams. Yep, it's, uh, it's great. Beautiful game, Willie. Beautiful mm-hmm. game. Uh, but we do need to switch gears because you yeah. mentioned to me before we started that you wanted to talk about the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. I usually avoid talking about the U.S. men's national team yeah. because uh, I don't have faith in Greg Berhalter, and I probably won't ever uh, unless the U.S. wins the World Cup. So, yeah. Willie, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because you have some some thoughts you want to share with our, our listeners today. Absolutely. Um so I will preface this by saying that, I mean, the U.S. men's national team, I feel incredibly strongly about. They're, they're up there with my favorite teams. Um, I am 10 out of 10. I love the U.S. national team. I also am 10 out of 10 interested in World Cup qualifying. And every time World Cup qualifying comes around, I am so immersed. I listen to all the podcasts. I watch all the games pretty much um just so so excited and i love international soccer i love the passion i love it feels like this is why this this game it's just the game but it almost unites the world it it unites the world lifts countries you're playing for something bigger than itself and uh, the players know that too and um and they and, and fans too feel so much pride um and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I could talk for, not, no hyperbole, for five hours right now. But but um, I would say two main things um, on the realistic side, but also on the observable side. I'm going to first start by saying this. Could we have a better manager? Yes. But I was wrong about Greg Berhalter. I was wrong about Greg Berhalter. We have to be honest and eat our words when we see it. And I think regardless of whether we qualify for the World Cup or not, one of the things that makes the U.S. MNT not only so have so much potential, but so exciting to watch is the style in which we play. And in and, and soccer, style matters. And the U.S. MNT, now we can argue sh- how the U.S. should play. Should we be a team that kind of sits in deep and, and counterattack or maybe sits at kind of the halfway line and counterattacks. But Greg Berhalter, to be honest, he, he's going for it. We're playing out of the back. We're gangum pressing. We're, we're pressing them fully, all the teams that we play now. We are aggressively pressing all the way back to their goal. Our midfield is stepping up. Our center backs is stepping up. And we have the center backs and the midfield that have the steel to control the game in midfield and the center backs that are comfortable winning aerial duels and winning one-on-one battles if a team breaks our press. And so I just want to start off by saying that this is one of the first times like I, I really love watching the way we play. Like we're genuinely, we're not the most skilled team still. Um, we give the ball away too many times still, and we're still a little too inconsistent, but we're fun to watch. The way he has us playing is exciting. Now, that being said, every 
casual U.S. soccer fan or just casual fan in the country must tune in. There are six games left. And despite the fact that the U.S. has been playing well in World Cup qualifying, if you actually look at the point total and compare it to things in the past, all that matters is how well the other teams do. And in CONCACAF, there are three automatic qualifying spots, and the fourth spot gets in the Intercontinental Playoff, and it is a four-horse race. And right now, the U.S. is only one point above that fourth spot, fourth-place spot. And it's interesting, right, because um, Landon Donovan has been talking about on the podcast that he's on, every four years, it's a re-education process, quote-unquote, he calls it, because... People don't realize, the casual fans, I luckily do because I watch qualifying all the time, how hard it is for any team to qualify for the World Cup anywhere. Being at home in international soccer is such a massive advantage. It is crazy from the fans to sleeping in your own bed to the travel to the field conditions to the weather. Everything is against you. And so it's not surprising that it's hard and it's not surprising that the US plays a lot better at home than on the road. So what I'll say is this, it's this weird mix of, wow, the US looks, they play an attractive style of play, particularly in their home matches, they look really good. Um, and there have been some really new exciting um, kind of young players that have come through and that mesh well together. But they're only one point about above that fourth place with Panama. And um, it's very realistic that, that the U.S. finds itself in that fourth place going into a continental playoff and doesn't make the World Cup. So the last six games on, I mean, my gosh, every casual soccer fan is either going to love it or get their heart broken. So that, that's what I will say. That's what I will so- say. I, I want to thank you, Willie, for bringing that to uh, to everyone's attention because there's, I guess there's a, a disconnect when it comes to U.S. soccer fandom in the sense that there is always yeah. those diehard fans like you yeah. and then those people who get on board only when it's the World Cup or sometimes yeah. only when it's the Gold Cup and sometimes only when it's something else and i would say part of the reason that exists to this day is because of 2017 and yeah. the fact that u.s didn't qualify so i i I, po- I say this because i want to pose this question to you willie yeah in a world where the u.s men's national team does not qualify for the 2022 world cup what happens? What happens to U.S. soccer if that is the case? Um, wow. So I think you bring up a really interesting point. <laughs> um, I think, first of all, um, I think fans really lost a lot of interest in the team after. And that's why I think, despite the fact that U.S. men's national team, now, as we've talked about before, 
let's not have too high expectations. Let's let's this golden generation. Let's be realistic about what we're looking at. But there's every reason to be for US MNT standards. Very excited about the players that we have right now. The average age of the squad is tw like 22 and a half. One of the youngest of any national team in the world. And 26 players have gotten their debuts during World Cup qualifying. So with that being said, what happens? I think it would be a really interesting thing because I think that there is this, there is this, there is still this weird prevailing sense where, where the U.S. even though they're doing well, and like I said, people have, don't understand how tough qualifying is, and so they they say, oh, they're in Concacaf, they're just going to qualify easily. Well, no, it's never the case. It's never ever been the case, and it's never the case for any nation, frankly. Um, what I think happens in the world is um, is it's painful. I think on two ends of the extreme. I think if the U.S. qualify, if the U.S. qualifies, no matter what happens, even if they flame out in the World Cup, I think that there is this expectation that all that matters to these fans is 2026 because the U.S. is going to be hosting the World Cup. They know the players are going to be hitting their mid to late 20s in in 2026, and there already is this weird feeling about well, we're just building for 2026. But if they don't make it, I think the U.S will lose so much interest in the sport that this national team could grow. Because this national team has so much talent for it compared to any team that it's ever had. And it's very exciting to watch. And um, it'll, it'll, it'll correspond with, I think, a huge decline in popularity. Because I think that this USMNT, similar to the women's team, I'll just say, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing their skill level to the women's team because the women's team has won, has been number one in the world or for many periods and has been the best national team ever. But similar to the U.S. women's team, I think that the U.S. men's team has a lot of likable people and a lot of really, they're really fun to watch, like the women. The women are just they're so good and they're so fun to watch because of the style they play and the skill. And I think the USMNT is the same. They're, they're very fun to watch. And so I think that this could this team, if they qualify, could massively grow the game in a way that we've never seen. And to the point that we turn into a nation that, it's going to sound crazy, but is like, one of those crazy soccer nations, not not overall, but for the national team, where it's like Mexico, where where they just they want Tata Martino out because he lost a couple games. Like they're just so overreactive, and I think that could be the case for the U.S. soccer fans too, because if they get we if as one thing we know if if if, if there's a lot of hype, I think a lot of people will get on board. So mm -hmm. yeah, sorry that was a no, long I rant, but. Yeah. No, no, no. I bring that up because in 2014, I remember how big every game was in the World Cup. And yes, the U.S. got knocked out in the round of 16. But the fact that they made it out of that group to begin with mm. was yeah. a huge step in the right direction. Yeah. It was a huge step forward for the U.S. only to be 
pushed back in 2017 because mm-hmm. because of I don't even I don't know why because of of the arrogance of of <coughs> Michael Bradley or yeah. because of a long-standing arrogance that U.S. soccer doesn't need to try to qualify for the World Cup even though it's not the case. It's just that's that's a possibility now because the standard is what it is because we do think not qualifying for the World Cup is actually unacceptable yeah. and worthy of hiring a new manager. Yeah. My only concern, though, is that this is just qualifying, right? And this isn't even the nitty-gritty of it. You have to think that Mexico is going to put it all together. You can't expect them to play like this for forever. Yeah. Sure. And it's just a question of is the US's best better than Mexico's best? Well, okay, I'll give you two answers. <laughs> so one is that because of how hard So I'll, okay, I'll say some things. So one is that I know we're struggling. I mean, I know it's very easy to look at the point at the standings and be like the US is 15 points, one above Panama, one above, and be like, "Wow." This is just qualifying. What are we ever going to do? World Cup. Every single World Cup qualifying, it is so hard, and it is so hard to win on the road. I mean, that's why the saying is: if you can win your games at home and you can tie on the road, that's great. Um, the U.S. has so far in their four games on the road, they have three ties and one win, and that is astonishing because they have. Um, doubled their points on the road that they got the whole last qualifying cycle. So it shows you how hard it is to go on the road. And that's why it's crazy because watching this team on the road, it's like, it looks ugly at times. It looks downright ugly. Um, I'll answer this question. Um, the U S is frankly, is better than Mexico. I'll just say it. I'm being objective. Um, Mexico squad has an average age of about 30. They're going, they have some great players on the team. They have some major deficiencies in the squad, particularly in the defense in the midfield. That is going to make it hard for them to get out of their group at the World Cup. And they need to retool. And they don't have the players coming through right now that the U.S. has. Um, The U.S. didn't beat Mexico in a competitive game for seven years before their recent win. So I see a similar period, to be honest with you, of I think the U.S. and Mexico are going different directions, to be honest with you. Now, the Mexico is still a very good team, and they will be for the next few years, but they're going opposite directions. Now, that being said, uh, I just want to, in terms of the U.S. for a second, uh, and I'm, I'm just trying to give the big picture takeaways in the interest of time. What makes the U.S. exciting not only is the style of play and the talent, but, and we saw it in the Mexico game, the Dosa Zero, but what makes the U.S. so potentially, like, so exciting is I see a formula where the U.S. can use its strengths and actually compete with the very best in the world. And when I say compete with the very best in the world, in a tournament, anything can happen. And the U.S. has reached the, the round of 16 plenty of times. But with this team, they can go farther. And the reason is because I'll say this right now. I'm spitting the hot takes, but I, 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 I actually legitimately Oh, believe. boy. 
I believe right now, and I'm saying this, and this might be a good clip to go on the internet, actually. Yep. yep. I believe right. that the U.S., a lot of pundits have been talking about in the media, I agree. I legitimately believe that the U.S. right now has one of the three best, not one of the three best, sorry, one of the best central midfield threes in the world right now. The way they play together, Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, and Weston McKinney. When you look at the way midfields are today, right? Today, the midfields are about, we've kind of gotten out of soccer, the tiki-taka style of play. We've gotten into the era of gangum pressing and controlling the midfield. And the U.S. has two guys who are midfield destroyers, but also some flair and some goal threats and and a, three players that just play exceptionally well together. And what stood out in the Mexico game was the U.S. destroyed Mexico in the midfield, just absolutely destroyed them. And I believe that this midfield three can play with any midfield three in the world. I know that sounds crazy. And when you couple that with the fact that, um, like I said, I mean, you have an identity. You finally have potentially a number nine that could fill the center forward gap. And you have enough capable defenders um, that can play good. We have um, Miles Robinson from Atlanta United and Syracuse. Man, he looks really good. I'm sure he's going to go to Europe and, and be a very good player. And so, anyways, and and the scary thing about this 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 whole thing that I'm saying is that this team has had the emergence of so many good young players, yet it's missed, arguably, its four best players lots due to injury. Gio Reyna got injured in the first game, uh, hasn't played since. Christian Pulisic has basically not been healthy the entire time. He's played three games, uh, two as a sub, at just coming off the injury, and... Uh, one, when he came off COVID and he was just not himself. Um, Serginho Dest has missed time through injury. And Weston McKinney has missed games through uh, suspension. And he missed, he's now missed three games either due to suspension. Either, yeah, suspension either by the national team or by yellow cards. So I just think there's a lot to like about this team, Owen. And, you know... I think that there's a real defined style of play that could actually translate and make the U.S. a team that teams don't want to face. I, I, I wish I could share in your optimism. Yeah. I wish I could. But I, I don't know. I just, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't, maybe I just haven't watched enough, but. Yeah. Nothing about uh, a team managed by Greg Berhalter is going to convince me that, hey, this time is going to be different uh, when it comes to qualifying. Yeah. Hasn't hasn't been like that. But, you know, uh, I, I again, I have been wrong before. I'm going to be wrong again in the future. This is just the nature of the beast. Uh, Willie, before we move on to hot takes really quickly, Greg Berhalter. Uh, in, in a few words, what is the U.S.'s outlook with Greg Berhalter as manager? Wow. I would say daring is the word that I would say. 
I would say Greg Berhalter. Uh, I was reading an article, and apparently Greg Berhalter views Pep Guardiola as kind of the one that informs his coaching philosophy. And look, Greg Berhalter, everything you read about him and his whole reputation from his time in Sweden, from his time in, in uh, the MLS with the Columbus crew, tactics. Like, he's all about tactics. He just spends time preparing. So he reminds me of Pep Guardiola, to be honest. Like, not in the quality, but he tinkers a lot with the team. And look, he's very stubborn. The U.S. are going to come out. They're going to high press. They're going to play out of the back. He recently decided he's going to start Steph Steffen because he, he's better with his feet. So the U.S. has come a long way since Greg Berhalter first came over. There's talk that, like, you know, uh, when they first came, I mean, he would not let them play any type of direct balls. It was just everything. But, but yeah, I would say it's daring because I think the one thing that remains to be seen, Owen, is that, look, qualifying is very hard because of all the factors involved. And also in CONCACAF, you've got bad referees, no VAR, lots of travel, poor field conditions, crazy weather, all of that stuff. But I am very interested to see, I will just say, if the U.S. can reach a World Cup, which is a big if, watch the Canada game on January 30th. That will be a huge, huge game in Edmonton or wherever it's going to be freezing again. It remains to be seen whether this style of play can work against the elite teams from Europe and South America if we were to make a World Cup. So that that that's what I'm interested in. Daring would be my word. It's got to be the bald thing, too. His Him <laughs> idolizing Pep Guardiola. Bald, bald icon Pep Guardiola. Um, Willie, thank you for that, that, uh, that bit of insight. Uh, for someone like myself who admittedly has not been watching yeah. a lot of U.S. No, World no. Cup qualifying for, for one reason or another. Uh, call me a fake fan if you will. Um, but no, I think we're... Let me just you know, quickly, quickly... I'll be yes. 30 seconds. Let me just quickly give a preview of what's to happen. There's two months off. And the next three games that the U.S. plays are extremely critical. They play at home versus El Salvador, at Canada, and versus Honduras. Canada is one of the best stories in the world right now. Grant Wall thinks they're the, the best Cinderella team in the world. But... They have to win those games because the last three games they play are extremely hard, all of them. So the U.S. needs to get at least seven points, I think, from those three games. If they can do that, they'll be in good shape. If not, they're going to sweat it out come the last three games. So, Wow. So six games to go, is it, until six games. the end of qualifying? Six games to go. Willie, your take on the U.S. men's national team is always very, very insightful. Uh, I'm... For one, I, I think much more invigorated to watch now, now that you say all these things. But yeah. I, get, I still, I cannot get over this reservation in the back of my head. Yeah, yeah, Some, sure, sure. Something I'm not reserved about, though, <laughs> our hot take segment, Willie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have had some takes on this show, Willie. From mm -hmm. you calling the Braves to win the World Series to saying that Pep Guardia, or saying that, oh, that was that was the most outrageous one. I'm trying to think of another one you had that was pretty crazy. Carlos Correa being the greatest shortstop of all time. Oh yeah, you've had some take. There's been some takes on this show. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. For here, here is here's my take, Willie. Here's okay. my take. All right. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. 
in my lifetime, my lifetime, I'm 26 years old. However long I live, Willie, mm. Falcons are going to win exactly zero Super Bowls. Nah. Exactly zero. Wow. That's a bold prediction, man. This is this is a take that I have for multiple reasons. Primary reason, number one, uh, Atlanta sports outside of the Braves are still cursed. Falcons are not uh, evidence of that. They're evidence to the contrary. Or sorry, no, they're they're evidence of that. They're not evidence. They they are a reminder that Atlanta sports still as a whole just had this one little bit of success. We have this one little bit. It doesn't mean it's still entirely possible. I mean, the Drake curse has been inflicted on Georgia. Drake was, uh, he was at a party with Future. He was uh, celebrating, I think, Future's new album or something like that. And he said, go dogs. And that's what effectively dooms Georgia. Wow. Uh, the Hawks are struggling. They've won three in a row, but they're still, you know, the Atlanta Hawks, they still haven't ever been to the NBA Finals. Wow. Uh, and the Braves in the World Series. So they're, we can chalk them on the list. But the Falcons, the Falcons, Willie, the Falcons. Oh my goodness. I have never seen the Falcons play worse than they played today. <laughs> in two games, Willie, they have scored a grand total of three points through two yeah, games. It's real. You know how many points they've conceded in those two games? It's 68. It's really rough on 68 points, 68 to three in their last two games. I am shocked that, that team has four wins. I'm just yeah. going to say right now, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. I would love to be wrong. I was wrong about the Braves this year. I'd love to be wrong again. I would love to trust me. I will want nothing more than to be wrong about something as arbitrary as what I say on a podcast, because what matters is being a fan. Do you have, that's why we do this. Do you have less faith in them than the Hawks? Exponentially less faith in them. Exponentially. As long, as long as the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons exist, I will have less faith in them than just than anyone. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's hard to, to disagree with you on, I mean, the Falcons franchise, they had some good teams, but um, the franchise, man, um, it feels like that's the team. If, if they're never going to win, it might be the team. Yeah. I mean, they I had a pretty damn good team. They had a damn good team in 20, uh, 2016 and 2017 up until uh, the fourth yeah. quarter of the Super Bowl or the halfway yeah. through the third quarter. The fact and, that you uh, had to live through that, Owen, if they never win, you cause that'll always be the game they point to. Yeah, remember, you don't remember, but <laughs> back then they were up twenty-eight to three, and and they they lost. You know, you could tell the NFL social media uh, official social media channels wanted to put twenty-eight to three jokes all over the place. So you know, it's. We'll we'll see how things pan out over the next couple of years, but after what I saw today, I'm I'm just about ready to give up on this team ever winning a game. I, I Willie, like I said earlier, I was cackling earlier, cackling, because not only did the Falcons pull Matt Ryan from the game to preserve a 36 year old and his brittle bones making 35 million dollars a year, they put in Josh quote-unquote nine mistakes. Rosen, who when he was drafted 10th overall a few years ago, said there were nine mistakes ahead of him and that he should have gone first overall. Gosh. Uh, threw, I believe he threw four passes, three passes actually. I believe he threw three passes. His third one was a pick six. Yeah. Okay. So Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons, is thinking, well, that didn't work. Let's try our third string quarterback. Felipe Franks comes into the game. 
You know how many passes Felipe Franks threw in that game, Willie? Oh, a few. A few. No. no. More? Nope. Nope. Exactly one. One. Okay. Exactly one. And guess where he threw it? To Directly uh, to the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, at His... least to be fair, the Patriots have been on the tear, and their defense is just playing really well. But, yeah. Uh, Falcons defense kept it competitive though. That's, that's the hilarious part is for as bad as the offense was, the defense kept the game within striking. They kept it close basically the whole game. No, I mean, and they, you know, I, I, I didn't see the game, but I I know they, they picked off Mac Jones and they kept it close going into the fourth quarter. And um, honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs, the NFC, the spots, the six and the seven, uh, seeds in the NFC are completely wide open because the conference yeah, yeah. is so top heavy. So I wouldn't be surprised despite how much of a show, but I would not be surprised at your prediction. That's yeah. a really interesting prediction. So I, the last thing. Yeah. Sorry. The last thing I'll say though, is that twice in this game, I, I didn't watch all of it because I, I actually take care of myself mm. um, <laughs> mentally, spiritually, emotionally, etc. I didn't watch all the game, but what I did watch, and they said that Troy Aikman made this comment on the broadcast. He said, Falcons twice in the game had a third and one scenario. Twice. And they didn't convert a first down either time through third and one or fourth and one. So, Willie, uh, if my math is correct, that's two plays on two separate drives. So, four plays where. Through all those four plays, all you needed was one yard. One yard on each one of those drives. So they needed four plays to get two yards. You know how many yards they got? Zero. <laughs> Not Zero yards. Not surprised, bro. And that, that is the moment when I realized, oh, oh no, this is never going to happen. This is never happening in my lifetime. But you know what, Willie? You know what? I'm okay with it. I am perfectly okay never seeing the Falcons win a Super Bowl because I watched the Atlanta Braves win a world championship. Baseball is my sport. Braves are my team. That's all that matters. You know what, on, like I said, I'm glad the Braves won out of all the teams because I know you love baseball, you know? But yeah, I got to say, on, it's tough to be a Falcons fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard if you actually care if you don't well, care it's really funny do you think believes it's their favorite atlanta team what's that what what um fraction of the city do you believe views the atlanta falcons as their favorite of the teams i'd say i'd say a, a bigger chunk than most people but they're definitely not the the big team in atlanta wow. i'd say probably 35 percent of people maybe if i had to guess yeah wow that's that's a third owen that's i mean that's over a third so that's but but the the caveat then comes with those people who don't have the the falcons as their favorite sport uh they they may not even have the falcons second yeah they may have falcons third even fourth because college football is number one yeah, so, no, and we'll talk about if you, right if you consider that in the, as an extension of Atlanta, then yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I would personally just what yeah, I know of, makes what I know sense. about the city. Totally makes so, sense. 
That's my take, well, Willie. I'll never see it as a Falcons fan, but you know what? I saw it as a Braves fan, and that's all that's all I care about. Wow. Okay. That's what I got. Okay. Wow. That's I mean, I just gotta say, man, that's a bold prediction. You're predicting like a prediction that's gonna expand hopefully eighty years, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, years years from now, people will be listening to this saying, Wow, he was so wrong. Man, it, but you know what? I would love to be wrong. But... Remember the date of this podcast and the yep, time. November eighteenth, twenty twenty one. Wow. Atlanta Falcons. Never win a Super Bowl. Okay. Not one. Not one. Not ever. Well. Okay. All right. I got a couple. All right. I'm going to say, first off, um, this is a hot take depending on who you ask. I mean, this is a pretty hot take for sure. I'm going to say that in 2026, the U.S. makes the World Cup final. They won't win it, but I'm going to say they get all the way to the final. Oh. They've never made it past the quarterfinals. I mean... Look, the There's home be more... advantage in the World Cup is huge. Yeah, can... with, with more, te- more teams, though. That's true. The, the more teams will... I'm not quite sure how that's going to affect the World Cup. Um, you think yeah, it'd just be an extra round? Sure. What's that? It'd just be an extra round, I think. No, no, no. I Yes, yes. But I mean, in terms of like, I don't know, is that going to make it easier or harder? Oh, <laughs> easier. Know. Because more teams are going to qualify. There's more spots. No, no, for sure. Uh, yes, more teams will qualify, but I'm wondering in the tournament, you know, does is, is that mean? Well, it's, teams... it's, I mean, you oh. have a finite number of players in your squad. You can't always take, you know, you can't take like 40 guys and only bring 18 with you. You know, you have to, I mean, who knows what's going to happen between now and 2026, but assuming everything stays the same, you know, who's, who's, who's to say that you take a group of 25 and you have to play one extra game and say, three players are coming off a season in which they win the title in whatever league they're playing in. And they're exhausted and they have to go play the world cup. And then, you know, it's, it's that fatigue that fits in and they have to play one extra game. They're not used to playing. And then. It yeah. Just I mean, it's, it looks it. It, it. It's you. It, it means you have to rotate the squad more than mm-hmm. like, which, which means they'd have to have the depth though. For some teams to have the depth. Deal. So that's a great point. No, but, um, by the way, it'll be back in the summer. Not crazy. Think think about this. One year from today, we'll be playing the World Cup. Ugh. We'll be Stupid. we'll be having our Thanksgiving turkeys and watching the World Cup instead of football, which will be nice because yeah. of some deals in a back room that involved swads of cash. But, um, <laughs> yeah, in a place that commits blatant human rights violations. Literally, so how like exciting China. is I mean, that what? though? Uh, 2022 World Cup. You know when it starts on? It starts, I believe it's, yeah, November 21st. 21st. So. A week from Sunday. Or a week. A year from Sunday. Yeah. One year from so, Sunday. Extremely exciting. Um, oh, wow. The yeah. Final. So anyways, yeah, I, I, I believe with the home crowd advantage and with the team, I believe lot, most teams, no knock on wood, uh, no jinx, most most teams that, are, that host the World Cup make it to the round of 16 and very often they make the round of it. It would just require them to win two more games, which would be farther than they've ever gone. But you know, um, we'll I'm going to call it. I'm going to we'll call see. it. Okay. All right. I like that call, Willie. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So number two, um, 
Yeah, there's there's a couple of them here. But uh, so so number two. Um, I don't even think this is necessarily a hot take, but um, I don't think Messi's ever going to find his form at, at uh, PSG. I wouldn't say it's too much of a stretch. I, mean, I, I don't think he's going to... I think, frankly, he'll go down as a disappointment. You know, I don't... I don't yeah. yeah, I don't... Well, I mean, l- let's put it this way. Did, did Beckham necessarily tear it up at PSG? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, this is a de facto retirement stint for Messi. I mean, he's 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 won everything there is to win. He's yeah. the biggest name in the sport outside of one other player. I I don't. I mean, the only thing he hasn't won is the World Cup, and at his age, I don't think that's. I mean, assuming Argentina or you know they qualify and they have a good squad, you know maybe it can happen, but they just in our lifetime have never had the depth uh in in the defensive roles midfield and uh and defensively so the attacking play has always been there for argentina that's never been the problem it's always been defending wow uh, but you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's that much of a hot take but it, yeah. it, I mean, it's a pretty it's a it's a big shout we'll put it that way but it's not necessarily yeah, it's not, like i don't even think it's really a hot take no. Yeah. But I, I, I would agree with you though. I think that we've seen, we've definitely seen the best of Messi, and you know we might see little flashes here and there of what makes him brilliant. But I think at the end of the day, his career is we're gonna remember it as you know a career with Barcelona, and it'll be one of those things where years from now will be like, hey, you guys remember when Messi played for PSG? That was weird, right? Yeah, that was yeah, weird. At the end of his career, yeah. this will just be a, you know, you're right. It'll just be a. A weird blip, you know, we'll, like yeah. you said, we'll, we'll forgotten. It would be on the back end. He played a couple years of his. But that is also implying that he's kind of done, which is sad. But um, I, I, ho- I hope that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, you never know. He could surprise us all. He really could. Wow. OK. But OK. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I have uh, one more. I believe that. No Cindergard will get at least a vote for Sion this upcoming season. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You were saying earlier in the episode that this was a horrible signing for the Angels. And yeah. now you're saying he's going to get a Cy Young award vote. Yeah. Good Lord. Look, I love it. I love how thing. ballsy this take is. Here's the thing, Owen. Here's the thing. Yeah. Okay. As someone, <laughs> that's maybe the little bit of the fan in me, mostly coming out, objectively speaking. If I was a front office, it, it makes no sense. <laughs> but the fan in me wants to see it happen, on, so I'm just going to say it. I mean, I think every baseball fan kind of objectively wants it. I mean, the dude looks like Thor, throws 100 miles an hour. Like, you know, who wouldn't want that to be yeah. a Cy Young Award winner? Right. Uh, well, I guess I guess every fan of a team in the AL West, but that's you know that's neither here nor there. But I like the take. I like how ballsy it is. I do like I do like it. Wow, and ho- hopefully this will be true, like the Atlanta Braves one. Yeah, November eighteenth, two thousand twenty-one, folks. We we'll see if we can go perfect two for two. We'll check in a year from now when they unveil the uh, two thousand twenty-two AL Cy Young Award winner. But unless you have any further hot takes, really, that's going to do it 
for episode 46 of Hot Takes Only. Folks, remember, you can get this podcast anywhere you get yours. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, which is our hosting website. Anchor.fm slash Hot Takes Only. That's all one word. Anchor.fm slash Hot Takes Only. We'll be off next week for the Thanksgiving holiday. I'll be up in Seattle spending some time with uh, my family and getting some good getting some good food, some drink, you know, enjoying the holidays. And I hope all of you, by the time you're listening to this, have a great weekend, a great holiday season. Uh, we'll be picking back up, ideally the week after Thanksgiving, if not the week after that. Uh, we'll round out the year with some more uh, Premier League coverage. Uh, we'll, if there's any updates on the baseball hot stove, the free agency dealings and of course the collective bargaining agreement we'll talk we'll touch on those and by that point we'll know if there's going to be a lockout or not so yeah you know kind of scary times for baseball but we'll hope here's to hoping it'll get over the line uh if it doesn't then we'll have we'll have that to, to talk about over the over yeah, the course of the I, offseason. yeah i fear i fear for the worst yeah me too especially after that that whole hoopla with uh prorated salaries for the 2020 season oh my if, god if they couldn't, they couldn't be on they couldn't agree on that and there's no way they can agree on anything else at this point but you know who knows yeah for sure for sure anyways folks thanks for listening this has been episode 46 of hot takes only see you in the next one